She-Hulk, episode five, House of the Dragon, episode four, the Andor Primer, and our last draft of the entire month, ladies and gentlemen, the direct podcast, episode 110. Let's get it. Truth is, I am a Jedi. I'm the vengeance. And I am Iron Man. Here we go, here we are, and here it is, the Direct Podcast, episode 110. Big episode, everything you need to know about the universes you love, and much, much more. I'm your host, Matt Ripke, attorney at law, joined, as always, by my co-host, Colts fan from Florida teacher, Mr. David Thompson, our box office correspondent. That's right. Uh, a little shame to be a Colts fan. Wish you could have gotten the uh, W what? on Sunday. Huh? You're ashamed to be leading the division? <laughs> the AFC South leading Indianapolis Colts? I'm slightly ashamed that we hold that title with the Houston Texans, but that's okay. I'm happy to be here. We will we will correct that um, stat on Sunday in Jacksonville. But yeah, dude, happy to be here. We have a big podcast today. Um, by the way, everyone, make sure you go check out our bonus episode from this past week following all the news from D23, all of our brands. We have it all there. Joined by Jack Puse, who's going to be on this episode coming up in a second. It is all there. So D23 news, go there. That's not this show. That was on Sunday. So go check that out. That was a lot of fun, Matt. Um, I, that was probably the most enjoyable like bonus episode mm-hmm. we've done so far, where it was just, hey, here's a dump truck of news and information. Let's just talk about that, right? The editing process was easy. Listeners that have already listened to that know it was basically one cut intro. We talked for an hour and that was it. So a lot of fun. Happy to be here, Matt. Uh, how you doing today? I'm doing well. We re- we broke down four trailers on that episode and we will be breaking down another trailer on this episode. It's <laughs> yeah. trailer season uh, out of nowhere, really, right? Which <laughs> is really exciting. Um, yep. Maybe a little too much Jack Pews on this show. Something we should maybe think about. You know, Never enough. I mean, I don't know. We had a whole episode with him, and now he's coming back already this week. That's, I mean, I, I just don't need Jack getting too confident. You know oh, I mean? that's what it is. We got to temper Jack his. To just cool as Jets. Yeah. You know, he won a fantasy football league last year. He walks around really big and tall around the yeah. office here, correct? Yeah, You're right. We love Jack. Excited to have him back on. I will say before we get started, last night, um, you know, speaking of universes you love, let's let's talk about a universe I love real quick. Comedy. I'm a big comedy fan. Stand up comedy. Um, internet comedy is a new thing. You know, just you're a stand up comedian, but your clips are on Instagram, and that's you know that's what a special is now. I'm I appreciate that. Last night, I went to go see Burt Kreischer, The Machine, at Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado, and it was amazing. David, cool. are you familiar with Burt Kreischer? As a Florida I guy, I, no. I assume. Uh, nothing at all wow that's crazy okay so um i got some videos to show you anyway for those listening (laughs) who know who the machine is you know how exciting it was just shout out to burt kreischer it was the best comedy show i've ever been to wow which is a very exciting thing for me and uh that's enough of that david thank you for rocking that housekeeping uh we're covered up here watch the or listen to the um d23 episode right Mm -hmm. now let's let's dive into our mini feature let's break down Andor. That's good news. Ladies and gentlemen, it is about time to return to the galaxy far, far away. Next week, the first three episodes of Andor 
will be released on Disney Plus. Um, I, I am aware of the run times. They're not as long as maybe we predicted, but they're going to be a nice little chunk. Um, it's going to be a fun three episodes, and then we'll dive you know week to week after that, right, David? That's right. I mean, right. It, it's it's going to be unbelievable having probably what an hour and a half of Star Wars content next Wednesday. Wednesday just yeah. dropped. Yeah, exactly. And that is totally non Disney Plus. This kind of feels this feels a little Volume One esque coming Stranger from Netflix. Things-y. Yeah, kind of yeah, loving yeah. it. Kind of. Yes, I embrace yes. it. Let's go Disney Plus. Doesn't have doesn't have to be this week by week slow drip like you love to give us. I'm all for chunking it out, having something to really dive into, and. As always with these, there is a reason for that. I am curious what the end of episode three is going to be, where it wants us to get, where the story wants us to go by that point heading into week two. Disney Plus editors really put a lot of work in, I feel like. Um, I completely forgot to introduce our guest, ladies and gentlemen. We have on our Star Wars correspondent, the guy the guy in the galaxy far, far away, our animated expert, Duval's own Jack Pews. Jack, um, James Robinson seems to be back. Oh, is he, he ever? Good. He looked really good. I'm he interested now to see how they handle him with Travis Etienne. Should be interesting. Oh, yeah. uh, Jack, uh, three episodes first for Andor and then weekly after that. Can we just point out real quick? They're trying something here. You know what I mean? They're oh, yeah. Trying new things with the release. Mm-hmm. Are you excited about the uh, volume one going into the week to week? Definitely. Yeah. I think when it was still in October, or October uh, August release date, they were going to do two. And so now they're doing three. So I wonder if that changed any of the editing or like if they changed mm. the end of episode three at all. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm I'm with David. I want Disney Plus to mix it up a little bit, try new things. Because look, it, Disney Plus is still so young. And then plus you had COVID with every, changing everything. So I think they're still experimenting. And uh, it's only going to become more complicated as we go on with this, these Star Wars shows and the Marvel shows. So um, yeah, it's going to be a big week next week. Yeah. You know, McDonald's used to not sell breakfast all day. You know what I mean? And everybody always said like, man, it'd be really great if they sold breakfast all day and it'd be awesome. And they tried some things like, Oh, you know, one item all day or, you know, some specialty did like on Saturdays or whatever. And then one day it just happened and we were getting McDonald's breakfast all day. I think that's what it feels like when Disney plus tries a new release schedule. We're all like, Oh, they're trying something new. One day they're just going to do the normal, you know, uh, 10 p.m. release. On oh, my gosh. I hope that's never going to happen. Don't even give like me that's hope. That's the all day breakfast, though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's what we want. It's like legal it's marijuana. If we just talk about it enough. It might just happen. You know, yeah. like even though nobody thinks it ever will. Um, <laughs> let's get into Andor. Uh, Andor, a story set uh, four years before Rogue One, brought to you by the showrunners, creators, and actors from rogue one namely cassian and or played by diego luga um other uh the only other big name i really noticed from this uh show is skellen skarsgård who is a fan favorite across all mediums um who's fantastic um other than that mon mothma is obviously in it and then we're going to meet a lot of new people a lot of like primetime rebellion pre star wars episode four pre rogue one people and it's an awesome concept we're diving into and let's dive into it right here right now jack pews what is the one thing you are most excited about heading into Andor? this was tough when you posed me this question i was like oh what is the thing i'm most excited for and i yeah, guess the one thing i know and i it, it was probably something i mentioned on our d23 recap recently it's i'm excited for the new 
fresh perspective on the Star Wars universe from a creative standpoint. I love John Favreau. I love Dave Filoni. I love Deborah Chow. I love everyone involved in the creation and directing and writing of the Mandoverse. I love everyone involved in animation. But Tony Gilroy is different. He's he is not like a Star Wars nerd that like somehow got involved with Star Wars like Dave Filoni did. He just so happened to become the right hand man of George Lucas. Tony Gilroy. He did the Bourne trilogy, I believe, or not just trilogy. They had another one after that. Um, he did the Bourne trilogy. He did other stuff. And obviously he did Rogue One. And it was Rogue One that kind of just sparked his interest into all of this. And now I think he really wants to bring kind of a universal story and really a drama thriller series into the Star Wars universe. And I kind of mentioned that um in our D23 recap that like, I feel like the star Wars part of it all will almost be like an afterthought. Cause I think the main point of this is to be a drama series is to be a thriller spy action, uh, thriller, sh- uh, show. Um, and the way they're planning to tell the story just seems fresh for the franchise, um, overall. And I'm excited to explore a different aspect. They've mentioned numerous signs. So this is about like the people, not like your main players, like Luke Skywalker and, and Leia Organa. These are about the normal everyday people in the galaxy and how the empire is affecting them. So yeah, just creatively, I'm excited for the way they're going to tell this story for, um, the story that they are going to tell. And just Tony Gilroy, he seems passionate about it. So yeah, that's what I'm most excited for. Heavily involved in a movie called Nightcrawler. He was a producer um, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Ah, for those who haven't seen love it, love that movie. Um, uh, dialogue creates tension. That's kind of the vibe of that movie. And also Michael Clayton, a great you know late two thousands movie with uh, George Clooney. Man, where George Clooney go? You know that's something He's I somewhere a lot. Tomorrowland somewhere. Uh, David Tony Gilroy does bring a uh, more cinematic perspective, I think, to Andor, and that's something we're all excited about. For sure. uh, are you excited? for what vision he's going to realize and also what's the number one thing you're the most excited about for Andor? I'm totally in on the vision and doubling up on that for what I am most excited for is the story of specifically being very specific with what I'm anticipating is the gray area-ness that isn't touched on in the original trilogy of how dirty it is to be a rebel, right? How that we get in Rogue One with Andor, right? Shooting the guy in the back like literally like stabbing him in the back with a blaster and i think this show is going to show us the that fine like in the you know in the original trilogy there is the empire and then we have luke skywalker and the rebels yeah and and r2d2 rolling around and it's like there are two set ideological differences it is a war right in this show i think what we're gonna see is things start to splinter off and a continuation of what we saw even in obi-wan kenobi right of like rebels like the earlier earlier stages like really an uprising against the empire but what i'm most excited about are those guys playing both sides like dr eric selvik i don't know the guy's name i don't know scars guard i I need some respect on the man no i know i know scars guards i know the actor's name i'm saying i don't know the, the cast like i don't know who he's playing Oh, but yeah, okay. For now, I know him as Eric Selvig. And whatever his character is going to be, I'm excited <laughs> for No, that's it. You're right. <laughs> I'm excited for how he's going to play both sides of this. Because from the footage, it seems like he is kind of maybe with the Empire, then not. Seeing Mon Mothma more in an active role instead of just kind of like being there. And it's like, ooh, they they hired someone that looks just like Mon Mothma. Moth, Mon Mothma. Cool, right? I want to see her more in an active role in whatever she's doing. And specifically just how the light and the darkness mix right Mm -hmm. and what it takes the dirty work that 
leads to a new hope eventually, right? Like all and we get that in Rogue One a bit, but I want to see it even more like more of the seedy underbelly of different places and more of like the hard decisions being made and how you get like it took a certain amount of conviction and deaths and terror to get to where we get in the original trilogy. And that's what I want to see. Matt, what do you think? Oh, yeah, Jack. I just want to say, I think another part of that that is that is so exciting about that greatness is like, what is the thing that pushes a character like Stellan over the edge in this show? Mm-hmm. Like, was he someone who always supported the Empire and then things started to change for him? And he's like, oh, wait, this isn't a good thing. Was he just someone who was involved with the Republic and then it got transformed into an Empire? He's like, wait, what the hell? This isn't what I wanted or signed up for. I'm, right. I, I agree with you, David. There's going to be a lot of interesting things to dive into with the characters, but also just the grayness of the world. Well, and also I think you got to look at Rogue One as, you know, our best like sense of, you know, there are pieces of Rogue One that they're going to expand on. It's, you know, it's it's another layer of the reason Rogue One exists because there's one line of dialogue in A New Hope that leads to a movie. But like you look at characters like, um, oh, shit, um, who's the bad guy in Doctor Strange? Um, Mads, Mads Mikkelsen. Mikkelsen. So you got Mads Mikkelsen's character. And you got, um, oh man, I just saw this movie, guys. That's really tough on me. Uh, the black guy you can't breathe, the half robot dude. Oh, 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 oh my god, I'm blanking now, too. Damn it, Matt. It's where Sagarera. He's a big animated guy, Jack. Maybe you'll watch that someday. Um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but you know, you look at those two, those are both characters that were a part of the rebellion. And, you know, one of them got pulled back into the Empire because shit was so bad. And one of them got pulled out of the Rebellion because shit was so bad. There's a lot of complexity there exploring the roots of that. Um, David, there's one line from the trailer that gets me hyped the way you just got me hyped about the gray area of everything. And it's Mom Mothma being a political figure, being like, you know, if everybody sees me as a distraction, they might not understand exactly what I'm really doing. And that's that kind of political shit. And you know why we're all kind of heightened senses on all that political shit right now. Iron brand. (laughs) That's very exciting. Um, Something that I'm the most excited about. It's a surprising thing. And it came from this new trailer. It came from uh, watching the extended look in IMAX, the action in this show oh, from yeah. the trailers looks surprisingly awesome. And I think about the types of action we're going to see in like a spy political thriller that we're going to get here. Um, chase scenes, chase scenes through alleys, which always in star Wars is kind of fun and weird. Right. And uh, you know, like uh, you know, the cities of these planets, you know, being, you know, great set pieces for just fun, kinetic energy action scenes. We see some flying around a lot of gunplay, you know, like, you know, who's, everybody's favorite character in the original trilogy it's han solo well what does he use it's a gun and i think that um gunplay is going to be explored in this star wars universe like maybe it hasn't in the past and um you know we got so much jedi stuff in obi-wan this is going to be a fun little mix match and in between so i think the action is actually gonna be a little surprising for me here you know because we're all so excited about the you know, the plot, the story, you know, the twists and the turns, but I think the action might uh, be a dark horse candidate for a great part of the show. Um, Jack, we got another question here. You know, we, we, we know what we're excited about, but there's also a story here. There's also something to be unraveled. What is your biggest question going in to Andor? 
real quick before I get into that, Matt, I just want to shout out all the trailers and how great, like there, there are some great one-liners in there. Like let's call it war or at what cost. And Stellan Skarsgård says everything like yells it. It's fantastic. Um, But yeah, my biggest question going in, um, this was almost what I was most excited about, but I switched it because I feel like this was more appropriate. Who is Cassian Andor? Mm -hmm. Who is he? Like we we get some <laughs> little bits and pieces in Who knows Rogue One. This guy? <laughs> Seriously, um, we've talked so much about Tony Gilroy and the potential world building and the time period, the rebellion, the Empire, all that. But I want to know who Cassie and Andor is because after all, guys, the show is called Andor. Um, especially, oh. I want to know who he is before Rogue One. And they've alluded to it a lot in interviews that we're gonna learn things that will surprise us and show a different side to these characters. Um, and I want to know more about who Andor is at his heart, what his background is, what makes him so different uh, than he is five years later in Rogue One. And I'm yeah. just excited to see Cassian take his first step into this larger world because I, I, that's what gets me so excited about so many of these characters. And, you know, we saw it in the sequel trilogy, a bunch with those characters. I, I like to see them see their origins, see their beginnings, their humble beginnings. And then, oh, my God, now he's part of this bigger cause, this bigger rebellion. Yeah. Can I... This is going to sound stupid. So everybody just prepare for that, right? You know, just mentally get ready for something that might sound stupid. Star Wars is bad at naming their shows. You know what I mean? Like the Book of Boba Fett, the name, it was detrimental <laughs> to the outlook of that show. Jack, would you be surprised if this show was less about Andor, more about the cause? Not at all. Just because See? of the precedent that they've set. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I think just be on the lookout for that. You know what I mean? I oh, think yeah. that's something we might need to keep track of. How much Andor are we really going to get? Because, man, this feels bigger than him. And I feel like that's a part of his character. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure he's going to be awesome. But like how much character study moments are we going to get in this? That's something that it's a great biggest question. Hey, now that I realize. We're <laughs> <laughs> I'm an idiot. Uh, David, <laughs> you're much smarter. Giant, big old brain over there. Uh -huh. What is your biggest question going into Andor? Mine, honestly, is because I'm super excited just to live in this world. And mm -hmm. I don't I like Tony Gilroy leading the pack. I have really no doubt i'm going to enjoy this show for what it is and how it's stretched out over the two seasons they clearly have a plan in place which i love mm -hmm. I, I think andor is an example of what i preach sometimes of seemingly hey we want to tell this story what is the most effective way and the perfect way of explaining the story right obi-wan kenobi should have been a movie right at least well, that's what i think andor seems like it should be this show it should be this two episode 12 or no, two season 12 episode stretched out over however many years right they're doing only like i think one year in the first season and they're stretching things out in the second if i remember those yep. quotes correctly and it's weird <laughs> it is weird but i think it's they're weird. being yeah i think they're being creative in the way very like, clone wars yeah mm -hmm. very clone wars and they're being creative in the way they're doing it right it feels like a show so i'm confident in the creative team here i'm confident in the acting i'm confident in how it looks looks phenomenal my biggest question going in is how this how this expands, I guess, Star Wars fandom and curiosity beyond just people that are going to watch like us and enjoy it. And I'm very much so looking forward to the story. Similar, like you said earlier, you mentioned House of Dragon. I'm enjoying the story of House of Dragon. I know where it goes. I've seen Game of Thrones, right? And I'm enjoying this for this. I'm enjoying, enjoying it for the story, not for the future, right? I'm just enjoying it for what it is. I'm enjoying it for the show that it is. I'm curious because this is Disney. This is Lucasfilm. This is Star Wars in an ever-expanding universe, I'm interested in what does this connect to? 
what is the spinoff of Andor? What is the kind of tissue of Andor besides Rogue One? And if there is any at all, right? Is this going to be a somewhat kind of anthology series stand on its own? No real like continuation needed once it gets to its end. There's no like spinoff here, spinoff there. Because even in, say, Obi-Wan Kenobi, which in theory is its own little separate identity as Obi-Wan, there can now be a season two. We have characters introduced in there. There was like little Easter eggs and tidbits. And Star Wars is all over the place now when it comes to comics and books and video games. And I'm curious if they're going to have any of that in here and if it will expand in anything else. I know it's not about the story itself, but that's such a Star Wars thing to do right now. Just look at the Mandoverse. That's all that is. Half of it is now MCU-esque, you know, running into each other. Book of Boba Fett is good because... It, the only part of it what that was really good was because it was Mando, right? There are two Mandalorian episodes in the book of Boba Fett. So that's not going to happen in Andor, but I'm curious what the connective tissue is going to be going forward. I, I, uh, that's my biggest question as well. Nailed really? it. everything I wanted to say. You just said it, you know, how's this mo- push the ball forward? Jack, do you see, you know, it's interesting because this one puts itself in a box a little bit because it's not mm-hmm. just pre new hope. It's it's very specifically four years before New Hope, and it's been told to lead right up to Rogue One. So, like, oh, the yeah. end game of this show does have a stopping point, whereas Obi-Wan, you know, there are years to work with, you know, like the mm-hmm. final season of How I Met Your Mother spanned over three days. Like, like you can have you can play around with that kind of stuff. Jack, do you see this? being something that has that book of Boba Fett moment or has that Mando moment with the crossovers that lead to other projects. Not, not even so much like cameos. I'm talking about like, does this expand anywhere else knowing that it does have a final stopping point? Yeah, I think, I think, yes, I think there'll, there will be moments of it specifically with someone like Saul Guerrero. Um, and yeah. you know, at this point in time, he does he isn't as beat up as we see him in Rogue One. He should have all his limbs. He shouldn't have trouble breathing. Um, and I think, you know, it's funny. After rewatching Solo recently, I saw a uh, one of Saul Guerrero's like rebels in Rogue One was fighting with the rebels in Solo at the end. There, uh, I forget the character's name who's like leading them. The the, the girl from Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I kind of thought to myself, I was like, oh, I wonder how he goes from this rebel group. Thank you. Thank you. Look at you, Matt Remke. Look at you getting all this. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not great. But um, <laughs> I, I was thinking to myself, I was like, I wonder how this guy goes from being a part of this rebel group and rebel cell to then Saul Guerrero's later down the line. And, you know, I feel like there could be a setup of like, almost like, I think his rebel group is called the partitioners, something like that. And in such a dope name, it is cool. And great I'm like, name. I wonder if that could, they could, there's potential there to set up a series or some kind of, it could be even a comic book or a book about them, how they got their start and then how they became who they are in rogue one. But overall though, I I think that's something that Lucasfilm is handling or would handle. I think Tony Gilroy's main thing is like, no, this is going right up to rogue one. This is all I really care about. And I mean, he even said it like it's going the last scene of this show in, in season two is going to be Andor walking up to that tarmac to get to that guy to then shoot him in the back. And, you know, we, well, then we follow him with Rogue One. So um, there's potential there, but I don't know if that's their focus. 
in making this show. Are we ever going to be able to watch a new hope again without having to like watch first two things or then Rogue One, then New Hope? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. that's like one of the most watched movies of my lifetime. I see that going down drastically. <laughs> uh, Jack, a lot of great words you just said there that really just sparked a lot of like instances over the past two, three years, like like pre like like Disney Star Wars content. There's been so many hints to different fringe characters. I'm not talking like nobodies. I'm talking supplemental characters like the Infest Nescal, um, mm-hmm. who just hint at rebellion. You know, like uh, when right. at the end of Solo, you know, you know that movie is what it is. But like at the end of Solo, he hands him the whatever, and it's gonna, you know, uh, something like he says. She says something like hope, like this is the start of a rebellion or something like yeah. that. And Han's spark, like, <laughs> if you will, for the birds. Very funny. Um, um, but like, you know, that line and there's other lines where just like throughout the universe, people have hinted at being a part of the startup of the rebellion. There's a whole show about it called Rebels. So let's move on to our biggest prediction. Here's mine. O'Shea Jackson. O'Shea my Jackson man. was a my man, was a character in uh, Obi-Wan that was like, I thought, such an awesome embodiment of someone who was like a startup rebellion guy, you know, uh, Amazon started in a garage. So did the rebellion. We saw it. <laughs> we, we got to see that. <laughs> that was a seed that we saw. And um, I think like his, his line at the end of that, what for episode five or whatever, great show. Obi-Wan. Um, but his line at the end of episode five is like, Oh, I'm just getting started. Like, like that got me more hype than anything else in that show. And I think that having that kind of character and the Impus Nest character and everybody we're going to meet in this show, there's just such a great brand of pre-rebellion rebels, you know, before mm-hmm. they were a threat. And my only curiosity is when are they going to tell that story? Like, like at what point is there time to tell that story? If Andor is already being introduced, is this kind of it? Like, is Andor going to be, the climax of the pre-rebel group that we've built in this nest, O'Shea Jackson, uh, Saul Guerrero, Obi-Wan Kenobi, by the way, like Obi-Wan oh, yeah. Kenobi interacts with rebels before new hope. Nobody knew that, you know, as animated, but like, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that's my big prediction is O'Shea Jackson. But if mm-hmm. I can, if David will let me, I know we're, we're a big keeping scores podcast. If I can expand that out into like any like pre-rebel rebels that we've met so far, I think we're going to get something there. Yeah. I do want to jump off Matt's because mine is that, but the 180 inverse. I think we get a post rebels rebel. I think we get someone from the original trilogy. <laughs> Whether and it may not be a rebel. Yeah. I, I think we get my my heart and kind of Say my it. head is saying we get Vader because oh. in a in a glimpse, because Hayden's back, like he is literally back as Vader. Like, this is a thing. <laughs> I mean, he's in Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's going to be in Ahsoka as Anakin, Vader, whatever you want to call it. And I don't know when it will happen. And I think it would be used very, very sparingly. Maybe even just make mention of, but I'm hoping for some visuals. It could even be the Emperor, right? We're dealing with a lot mm. of the Empire. It aged out. <sighs> it, it, they could make it happen. Um, I do believe that we will get someone from specifically the original trilogy, but from a new hope, like one of our characters. I really hope it's Vader because he had a great role in Obi-Wan, but I think this would be even almost more, not more interesting, but just a different, it's not, it's not 
the Anakin spin on it. It's the New Hope Rogue One spin yes. on Vader, right? Where it's like he is just the guy. Like yeah. he is he is above everyone else. And when you see him, fear strikes your soul, right? I think that would be really cool. And I think it would be a very um it would give us a moment of pure terror and just like, oh my gosh, like even if we fight this battle, he's too big for us anyway, right? That's they, what's looming have, out there. Yeah, there could like be that Vader. moment of like, well, we don't we don't swing around uh, laser swords. Like that's what we're missing. And that's what A New Hope's all about, right? So yeah. I think that'd be a really cool mm-hmm. moment or idea to have out there. We we, we kind of got that scene with Ben Mendelsohn in Rogue One. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like you know, the the you're going to have to report to someone much more intimidating than me. You know, the whole Tarkin of it all. So I think it could work even getting Tarkin back, all that stuff. Interesting thing I want to go off of what you just said. A uh, friend of the show, Mitch Lawson, um, he really wants another Leia appearance. Mm. A young Leia, which I think that plays, guys. I it think could. that plays very well. I think having, you know, they've they've <laughs> cast somebody, cast Amelia, cast Amelia Cook or something. You know what I mean? Like, like really cast somebody. But, um, oh, oh, oh Camille Alcock? play leia because like i think she could i think that could work why not you know what i mean <laughs> i don't know <laughs> about leia no. <laughs> no, but, that'd be um, a little yeah. odd so uh, it's, it's just so interesting you said that and didn't mention leia when like i've heard people like wow teenage leia would be really sick yeah um so i say pre-rebels you say post-rebels jack what is your big prediction going into andor you guys are like blowing my mind right now. I'm thinking of so many different things now that Star I wasn't Wars. thinking before. I love Star <laughs> Wars so much. Um, well, kind of going off what you guys said. Um, well, I guess, Matt, starting with yours in the sense of like like pre-rebels or, or pre-rebellion rebels um, and seeing that moment where they become something more, we see a little bit of it in Star Wars Rebels. And I think whether they redo that scene entirely or just have another version of it, like this is that time period where the rebellion becomes something more. I, I don't think, think we're at that it. point yet, but I think this is it too. And I like these five years, because Re- Star Wars Rebels starts five years before A New Hope or Rogue One, whatever you want to say. Um, but going off the layer of it all, I guess I'll get to I'll get to my prediction. So I have I have two predictions. One is like a big season prediction. One <laughs> is like the first three episodes. <laughs> the season prediction is that Bail Organa will make an appearance at mm. some point with Mon Mothma because if there are two senators at the heart of the rebellion, it has always been Mon Mothma and Bail Organa. And I just think the thunderous applause. Exactly, Matt. And plus, I mean, we're in the Senate chamber in some of those trailers, which I think could be, you know, we could see the Emperor there. I don't know. I I think that could work because he's supposed to be in Bad Batch and he's in his Senate like seat chamber thing with the spinning things, whatever you want to call them. Um, But I think Bale... I I think Bale could absolutely show up and just be having conversations with um, Mon Mothma and Again, we don't know when the show starts if she's already going to be like working to build a rebellion or if we're going to see the start of that. But I think there could definitely be an interesting conversation there because I could be wrong about this, but I think the actress they have playing Mon Mothma is the same actress that played her in Rogue One, Genevieve Genevieve O'Reilly. But also there was an actress for Mon Mothma in the prequels and deleted scenes. And she was having a conversation with Padme Amidala and with Bail Organa where they were kind of pre-starting the rebellion because um, they knew the emperor was having too much power or the chancellor at the time had mm-hmm. too much power. 
Um, so I think th- there's a lot of interesting political discussions to be had there that lay the groundwork for then what's to come with those two characters and the rebellion. My my prediction for the first three episodes, when he's a kid, I think Andor's entire family will be killed or Cassian's entire family will be killed. And I think his entire village is going to be destroyed mm. um, because in my opinion, that will be the thing that sets him down this journey. And it will be a direct reference to that line. I've been in this fight since I was six years old. You're not the only one who lost everything. Some of us just decided to do something about it. Like, I think that is going to, that's going to be where we start. And also we see clone troopers. (laughs) We see clone troopers in the trailers, not stormtroopers. You know, as many know, big difference. Clone troopers in the trailers. I think that's going to be the empire newly formed empire was the republic just after order 66 the civil war is over mm. the empire just got made technically a transition from republic to empire and they're going to it's going to demonstrate the empire's taking a firm control on the galaxy and those any people who resist kind of like a dinjarin flashback yes yeah right? yeah absolutely i like that i, I actually would bet i think that's like at a minus like 200 on that jack i think that's like 100%. book it <laughs> yeah, that seems like money especially bringing up the line from rogue one like since i was six that if they don't do that i'll be upset at this point <laughs> like that, that's, that's gotta happen give me those stakes and expectations because why that's is it called thing. andor right now right it's like right now mm-hmm. based on the trailers like this should be called the rebel awakening or something right like I, star wars <laughs> rebels 2.0 yeah <laughs> live action started yeah. <laughs> so or I just hope. I've always thought hope would be a great title. Hope would be a good title. Don't I thought hope would be a good title. For that's gonna be that's gonna be a book title at some point, right? Or if it already is, hope it definitely already is. Feels like I don't it. think it is. I don't know. It could. I think that that's gonna happen. It's gonna be some book that Tom Scott Rochester listens to one day. <laughs> anyway, he's gonna uh, write. Smith it. is sixty-seven years old. Is he really? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's been doing this a there. long time. Uh, oh, and yeah. I love how it is. You want to talk about minus 200. There's no guarantee more than Leia's theme being played when Jimmy Smith is on screen. There's no. What was that, it in Rogue One? Because when he there was a theme when he showed up, I it was, think it, it was Leia's theme. He goes, uh, give it to somebody you trust. I trust him with my life. That part, but even the beginning when Jin is sitting in there in that rebel base and like he comes out of the shadows, out of the shadows. It's such, <laughs> such a cinematic moment <laughs> for no reason. Holy I, shit, is that Jimmy Smith? <laughs> I think it might have been like the rebellion or maybe like just like the Star Wars theme. I don't know, but it was something. Um, I, I would love for them to do another shadows moment Let's with Jimmy it. Smith. I love it. I can't wait. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that has been our Ann Door. Primer, um, speaking of themes, there is nothing better than just a subtle theme on a piano of an epic theme that we're familiar with. And that's how you know this is going to be a great show. We can't wait to break it down. Next week, we'll be breaking down the first three episodes of Andor, episode six of She-Hawk, episode five of House of the Dragon. It'll be a packed episode of the Direct Podcast. Jack, thank you so much for joining us. Where can they find you on the internet to talk about the galaxy far, far away yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Jack Pews. It's P-U-E-S, all one word. And you can also find me on my other Star Wars podcast. Well, my other. This isn't my podcast. Yours. Um, yours. <laughs> it's yours, Jack. Trust uh, me, it's yours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Reckless Rebellion. It's a Star Wars podcast I do with David Thompson, co-host of the Direct Podcast. Uh, Klein Felt, uh, who is the host of Controller Club. And, of course, everyone's favorite, Thomas Carter Rochester. So check that out as well. And uh, Thomas Carter Rochester and David Thompson both celebrating 100 episodes of Lights, Thunder, yes, Action. Congratulations, yep. David. Congratulations, everybody over at LTA. Uh, Andor, next week, we'll see you then. 
Spider-Man wasn't attacking the city. He was trying to save it. That's slander. It is not. I resent that. Slander is spoken. In print, it's libel. All right. So, a new report out of D23 after the Werewolf by Night trailer, which, David, where can people hear our breakdown of that entire trailer? Oh, you can find it at the direct podcast from our D23 bonus episode breakdown from this past Saturday or Sunday, I should say. Saturday was the expo. Sunday was our breakdown. So go check that out. Man, Werewolf by Night. Interesting, special. What are they calling it? Special edition. Presentation. Special presentation. It, uh, we'll see. It's coming soon. Absolutely. You can uh, check out an article on the direct.com exactly what that special presentation really means written by Sam Hargrave and another one that I wrote about um, if that could be the replacement to the one shot. A lot of interesting stuff over there on the direct.com. New reports have come out that say due to scheduling conflicts and just things that they could not make happen. Blade will not be appearing in Werewolf by Night. That doesn't seem like the biggest news because we don't even know if it's confirmed but david here's my question to you you know i'm all about the branches of the mcu i'm i'm very much into um how they're segregating um different parts of the universe because secret wars is bringing parts together um the monster branch of the mcu feels weirdly divided right now because well we've already had one connection which is great and you know the 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 uh black knight blade connection at the end of eternals i think that was a great spark to the fire of the monster sector but then you get moon knight which you know he's the mummy he's the he's he was a lot of people's you know favorite most excited part of the monster sector because of oscar isaac the end of that season though in my opinion firmly puts his next appearance in moon knight season two i don't understand Mm. how they can bring moon knight back without explaining that cliffhanger first and just having any sort of character development or any sort of presence of a character because we don't really know who he is, what he is, or where he's at, right? Right. So I, I take Moon Knight off the board from Werewolf by Night. I take Moon Knight off the board for Blade because we don't know when season two is coming out. Blade not showing up in Werewolf by Night. Where do you see the MonsterVerse connecting uh, next in the MCU? Is it Blade or do you think they can sprinkle some stuff in? Ah. <sighs> I don't know, honestly. I, I, I'm my expectations for Werewolf by Night. I mean, on the bonus episode, it's the big question of like, where does this connect? How, how what, what, you know, what is the connectivity to the rest of the universe? I, I would bet more money on Blade for being just, I mean, that, that is a film, not a special presentation that's announced less than a month in its release. That it, it feels so anticlimactic in how they're, um, marketing it and presenting it. It's just kind of going to, it feels like something that's going to randomly drop on a Tuesday or whatever day it is on Disney Plus. It'll come out. People like us will watch it, but not everyone's going to give an F. So I'm not expecting anything big in that section of the MCU, especially not any kind of crossovers. I'm really not expecting. I'm expecting it to be something pretty short and sweet and enjoyable and fun for you know this time of year for fall for Halloween. You know it. it the MCU banner on it is definitely interesting to me. I mentioned it on Sunday where it seems a little more Disney than Marvel. And I'm curious as to what the connection is and how how and why this is an MCU little project. Right. So I'm interested. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, the first trailer for Blade is going to be super important for that project, because if we do get rumors that it is going to be a monster team up, that movie could be huge, man, because, you know, 
Mahershala Ali is going to have such a presence already. If he has a supporting cast made up of Kit Harrington, this werewolf by night character who will have been familiar with by now, if they can find a way to get Moon Knight in there, like that's going to be a commanding movie that could yeah. act as like another mini ensemble if they could pull it off. But it's just, it's this werewolf by night promotion. Like you said, you know, they're not pushing this character as hard as they do other characters. For, for sure. whatever reason, and maybe we'll find out why at the special presentation of it all. You know, that might be our purpose. And Moon Knight, that I feel like that takes them off the board, and it makes me nervous about um, any sort of monster crossover, which I was hoping could be just another team to add to the Secret Wars pool once we get there. Yeah. Um, moving on to Secret Wars. Hey, look at that. Nailed it. At that The rumor mill is a buzzing right now, David. And for those who don't know, the rumor mill is just when Twitter... And, you know, different sources and some big podcast interview week, I feel like, you know, I feel like a lot of stuff came from obscure podcasts that we listened to over on the direct.com because we got a bunch of machines over there. Um, The rumor, one of the directors in talks for Secret Wars, one of the confirmed, you know, options that uh, Marvel Studios is mulling over, Brian Coogler, the king himself, Black Panther, director Ryan Coogler, also both Creed's. Yep. He's the he's the man. You know, nobody doesn't like Ryan Coogler's work so far, but is he a good fit for the next endgame? Is he a good fit to handle a monster project likened to Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame, and Kang Dynasty? You know, yeah. uh, the Russos did three of them. John Watts did one of them. We're trusting Daniel Dustin Creighton. Do we trust Ryan Coogler? That's the big question. David, your thoughts on Coogler taking up Secret Wars? Yeah, uh, I am very interested to see where this goes, if it is at all true. I think timeline-wise, it makes sense. Whereas um, even like um, Destin Daniel Creighton, who you just mentioned, he his timeline is going to be really interesting because of his involvement with Wonder Man, Shang-Chi 2 potential, and then Kang Dynasty. And that's confirmed. Like That is happening. Ryan Coogler has Wakanda Forever coming out next month. Um, no, no confirmed MCU plans after that, right? Creed what? 3. Creed 3 is happening, though, yeah? Creed, Creed 3 is happening, yes, but that is, you know, well into filming. It might even be in post by now. Um, well, I, My point is, like, no, like, real future pre-production projects that I at least know of that are huge, right? Like, right. MCU, Creed. I mean, Creighton for Shang-Chi, there's Shang-Chi 2, potentially, Wonder Man, and then Kang Dynasty. That's a lot on his table just for one studio. Um, so that makes sense that Coogler could do this. I think he would do an excellent job, but there may be someone that I would get a little more excited about who that is. I'm not even sure yet myself, but you're right. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't even know. Yeah. John Watts, <laughs> the Russo brothers coming back, I think would really get a spark out of me because I'll be honest. Um, the Russo brothers, they, everything they've done outside of the MCU have your own opinion about. Um, but they literally went like 10 out of 10 on infinity war and Endgame, which were two of the most like, impossible to craft and satisfy the audiences and that's exactly what they did for both of them so yeah. they are just the safe pick for me they earned it. <laughs> i think would do a great job and i think kugler would make a beautiful movie too right like i think this would be a stunning film because he really cares about the cinematography how things look he he has an eye for it clearly i think it'd be a good pick i think they it, it would represent once again them picking in-house we have matt shackman now doing fantastic four um, obviously Creighton doing Shang or uh, King Dynasty and now Coogler doing Secret Wars, I think would make some sense, especially if if Doom is in Black Panther, 
Bingo. Yeah, that, Bingo. that's the connection I could see happening. Bingo. I love that. I love that idea. So I look back at, you know, the things Ryan Coogler's done well, specifically in the MCU. Black Panther did two things for me that few other Marvel projects have done. It introduced a new world in such an elite fashion. You know, the the fleshing out of Wakanda and just the subtleties of the, the city and the tribal areas and the different regions and how the different regions politically interact with each other and this estranged mountain region and all the different colors and tribes and the warriors for each tribe having their own different things reasons purposes you know there was some political intrigue all that different stuff i think that was so well fleshed out efficiently in a movie that i think has the most underrated supporting cast in the mcu Mm. sure okoye nakia uh angela bassett the mother man i don't know what her name is um you know uh (laughs) we got we got old boy from Get Out and, you know, all these different characters that I think are just so well done. And, you know, and I think the proof is in the pudding for that. Black Panther Wakanda Forever tragically loses its leading man. You take out the main character out of any project, what's left? You know, take yeah. away your event films, your No Way Homes, your Civil Wars, all your Avengers movies. Look at any MCU film, take out the main character and make a sequel. Like that seems tough, but man, we're jacked for Wakanda forever. We yep. can't wait to see what Shuri and Nakia and Okoye and how those three are going to deal with, you know, the loss of T'Challa and obviously how Wakanda and the Royal family is dealing with it as well. Not to mention Mbaku. So I think that Brian Coogler has proven that he can establish multiple characters on screen at the same time. And that is a challenge Secret Wars is going to have. How do you balance yeah. all these giant characters? The Russos had to prove it with Civil War. They had a little test run with Winter Soldier. Low-key, four Avengers in that movie. Yeah. So I think that this is an incredible opportunity for Coogler to once again prove that he can juggle so many pieces at once while introducing and establishing new facets especially he's bringing in Namor, especially if he brings in Doctor Doom. I think this is a tryout. I think the reception to Wakanda Forever might be a tryout for Ryan Coogler's Secret Wars, something I very much want to see. And let's move on to the blue brand. Perry White, bring us in. Crime wave in Gotham. Other breaking news. Water wet. The hierarchy of power in the DC universe is about to change. Have you ever heard that before? Um, Yeah, a time or two. Yep. Mm -hmm. Three years later, Black Adam is finally going to come out. We got a new trailer. Um, premiering at NFL kickoff on Thursday Night Football while Josh Allen was dunking footballs into the end zone over grown men, yep. which is a wild thing to think about. Um, new trailer for Black Adam. I think people are very excited about this one. This one had a lot more energy than the first one, just in terms of how big this movie is going to be. Um, I can't wait to hear what your overall thoughts are, David, on the Black Adam official trailer. Yeah, it looks great, man. Like, I think everyone would watch this trailer, you know, the official trailer too. I think they're calling it specifically as a, this is a great trailer. It is hyping people up. It looks great. Uh, I even saw some, uh, I would love to give credit to whoever it was, but on Twitter, I saw something where they color adjusted from like an earlier trailer and it looks way better. And it's one of those things where I, on my TV set, sitting with some friends, watching football it plays the abridged version. They don't show the full thing. It's like, oh, you know, go online to watch the full go one. Online. But, you know, it's like 45 seconds long. Show most of the clips. And my buddy just like looking at me like, that looks great. Like, when are we seeing that? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it looks good. I'm, I'm like kind of dubious of the fact of what it is. Like, I'm coming in 
uh, a little nervous for like what this movie is going to be because it's just, I guess, how I am now with these kind of DC films that I not sure if it's a money grab or not. Right. Like, I'm not sure if this was really going to be like a full fledged Black Adam, the character. What are we getting out of doing the Rock Johnson in this? Right. Like, is is he a hero? Is he a villain? And it is that handled in a unique, cool way? Right. Like, I think there's such a quick, easy way to make that Lame. campy where in the end it's like, oh, he he has good in his heart. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, we don't want to see that. <laughs> we can go see anything. We can go watch Spider-Man to see good in the heart. Right. We want to see a little something different. Uh, I think Dr. Fate looks awesome. We saw that one move very injustice. I don't know if you ever played injustice, Matt, um, where they, like the Dr. Fate, like kind of like uh, I think like the KO move or whatever it is. Um, Hawkman looks cool. Like for a DC movie, and I think DC fans should be pretty hype about this. Like if you're a genuine a DC fan, yeah, like you you know DC characters. Um, this looks like a very fun cast and a very um, satisfying movie on the uh, action side of things. I yeah. love, love, love the shot of Black Adam flying along with the jets, right? The the fighter pilots. Iron so Man. cool. Very Iron Man and just like, timeless in a sense it's just such a mm-hmm. badass thing to show us very interesting to see how the story is i could see it being pr- pretty cookie cutter but it looks good like it it genuinely looks like a fun time with the theater um no runtime yet i'm curious about that i guess it's gonna be on the shorter side um runtime's gonna be big <laughs> you think so <laughs> i I not long. I'm like I feel like the runtime is going to be very important. How good this movie is! Oh, I feel like this okay. movie can get very long very fast. I I have a sneaky suspicion. And I hope it's the right move that it is less than two hours. Let's go. Let's that, go. I don't know. I don't know. I have no inside information. That is oh, just he my does. Guess. You know. You know. You know. Um, I agree <laughs> with everything you said. I think this looks good. This looks like good popcorn. Nothing more, yeah. nothing less. If I'm being completely honest, um, I'm not going in here like, ooh, how's this going to connect to the DC EU and ooh, you know, well, like what even is the DCU? Yeah, all that different stuff. And then Viola Davis shows up in this trailer, and yeah. that is just, I, I just miss me with any sort of why does everything have to be connected? Because they're making it connected. So her role in this movie will be the only thing that um, I think is going to be able to upset me. Um, as far as like a universe building thing, like I'm not going to be worried if there's canon break or if like, I hope they're rebooting, you know, I hope that's what this is, but Viola Davis does break all of that. So um, I think it's going to be, Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, no, no. You're good. Viola Davis, I think is one thing because it's direct connection to what's probably going to be future installments of say Peacemaker since Su- suicide squad. Cause James Gunn is a masterclass director and they got him into DC Sure. beyond that. I think they're going to be very, very general and uh, evade any kind of DCEU connections. Uh, and I, I think that could be more. even a post thing that's happened now. There could have been things in the script that were a certain way. Yeah. But I do not want to understate that because of the new ownership at WB, now WB Discovery, that they are going to probably probably be tweaking some things. Right. Um, they're confident in the flash, but who even knows there, right? They may, may even alter things a little bit to make it more of a true reboot than it even was supposed to be before. Right. Cause there has been made mention of the flash, like kind of resetting things, but even to a further extent, I think this movie wants to focus on itself. It wants to be its own good popcorn flick and avoid any of that Snyderverse connection. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. It's just, I, I feel like, 
I agree that it will only be Viola Davis, but weirdly enough, like the fact that it is only Viola Davis makes her, you know, role even more um, polarizing. Like, like it's mm. either going to be really good and subtle and efficient and satisfying, or it's going to just be kind of silly. And, you know, other than that, I agree. I mean, this looks like just an awesome sequence of action scenes and that's all I'm really wanting out of this. Any character growth we get beyond that, I think it's going to be just icing on the cake. And um, the only concern I have really just from like a execution of this idea, right. You know, bad Superman. I'm not a hero. I'm not peaceful. Um, all that different stuff. How do you make that interesting? You know, that's going to be the challenge, you know, they're either going to do it or they're not. They right. seem to be setting up a character that the rock has to play, you know, kind of straight, you know, he isn't smiling. He isn't charming. He isn't doing all these things. This is an intimidating rock, which, you know, we've seen work. Don't get me wrong. Daddy's got to go to work. One of the greatest lines of movie history. Um, you know, we've seen intimidating rock play, but intimidating rock with tights and a cape can come off kind of campy so it's going to be interesting to see yeah. if they allow the rock to be charismatic at any point because that's the kind of thing he does best other than that it's going to be it's a little up in the air you know the quality of this movie but at the end of the day it looks awesome and yep. the jsa seems to be you know fuck it yeah we're the jsa you know we're just going to be a team don't ask yeah. questions we're going to be awesome you know yeah. what i mean i like that i like yep. that uh, approach for sure. I do want to mention one thing before we wrap up this part up with just DC because we I love checking up DC every once in a while, right? Just like, you know, these movies coming out and just like some thoughts. I think because we know that Matt Reeves has the keys over at the Batman universe reading the Penguin series. That's its own pocket universe, seemingly. The Joker's happening. Another own little pocket universe. There's some info today about how uh, on the dark.com there's a story up where Joker 2 could be from Lady Gaga's perspective, right? Her character's perspective. And that's why it's a musical that's its own little pocket universe this happening it could be connected to the suicide squad and if maybe just that sandbox is shazam the suicide squad peacemaker black adam like i don't know you know where and then maybe we'll be over in that in the other corner we have the flash and aquaman i don't know i'm just trying to speculate how they're going to do this going forward i can't want to say you're right more but lest you forget there was the you know, silhouette cameo of the entire Justice League at the end of Peacemaker. So, like, that sandbox has players in it. You know what I, I mean? Know. Like, and Viola and Davis is in this movie. And that's like, the part where I sigh and bang my head against I know. Like, <laughs> I just wish, I wish we can get one project where they're not trying. I think the DC tries to connect their projects more than the MCU does. Well, they do it more ham fistedly, they do it less yes. subtly. Like, Here's MCU. You know. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just the emblem and not even his face. Yeah. Like, remember when the they MC said Madripoor and Moon Knight? We all lost our minds. <laughs> <laughs> hey, or when there's like a glimpse of a guy with claws in a bar on a headline of like an, a website and other and like uh you know hands sticking out of the earth. Like it's stuff like that. The subtleties of the MCU are amazing. Like I have my criticism of like holistically with Phase Four how things have connected. It's getting better, of course. I think by Phase Five we're going to be in a great spot, but. Yeah, the, the DC, they still have a lot of work to do, but Black Adam, I hope, is not about that at all. I hope it's just about Black Adam. I hope it's a fun movie. I hope I walk up being like, fuck, that was a fun time, right? Absolutely. I ate my entire toe of popcorn, my Diet Coke, hung out with some friends, and had a great time with it. So, speaking of a great time, ladies and gentlemen, She Hulk, episode five. <laughs>
I met a guy, and I haven't heard from him, and it sucks. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into our review of She-Hulk Attorney at Law, episode five. We are recording this a bit out of order, so quick breaking news from the Star Wars side of things. The previously announced um, Patty Jenkins-directed Rogue Squadron movie, which was going to focus on the fighter pilot side of the galaxy far, far away from Star Wars, has been officially canned. It's dead. Forget that it ever existed. One of my all-time favorite announcement videos, David, was Patty Jenkins telling a story about her dad being in the Air Force, roller skating, announcing it, the whole thing. I am bummed, but don't have much analysis beyond that. Do you have anything on Rogue Squadron? Yeah, um, I called it. Me and Klein Felt of the Direct.com. We talked about this months and months ago on Reckless Rebellion, a Star Wars podcast. And we mentioned how we both basically had the same conclusion that we thought this was not going to happen pretty much. And this was before there was any inclination that there was no nothing to really make you think that just besides hadn't heard about it in a while. And it just seemed like it was heading that direction. And here we are. So I am not surprised by this at all. Like this didn't seem like it really had any kind of movement, any kind of, um, uh, I guess the word I- I'm looking on the word kind of momentum. Momentum. Thank you. I'm blanking today. Any kind of momentum in that realm. And it looks like now the next Star Wars film may not come out until after Secret Wars, which is kind of a shocking statement when you think about it holistically and what the MCU and phase four, five, and six are doing while Star Wars is just on Disney Plus, um, which is makes me sad. But yeah, not a surprise. I think everything with Lucasfilm in on the big screen is completely on hold right now, just in general. And until we hear anything official, that's where I'm at as a, you know, someone who covers um this industry and so and, and just a fan of Star Wars too. I'm at the point where until they tell me a release date, a title for something. Here we are, right? We're on Disney Plus for Lucasfilm and Star Wars. That's where we're going to be living for the foreseeable future until they decide to produce something for the big screen. Yeah. All we need is a little bit of momentum. <laughs> we'll throw back 2007 there for anybody who gives a shit. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> there was a moment where Patty Jenkins, we had the WW84 trailer and this announcement, top of the world. It's been downhill ever since. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we hope Patty can get back in there and make something great, but let's move on. Red brand, green brand, heyo, She-Hulk, Attorney of Law, episode five, um, another just episodic show. Here we go, David, your overall thoughts on episode five. Overall thoughts, no spoilers included, is kind of another snore fest for me. Um, maybe the worst episode so far, in my opinion. Um, and I was actually, I don't even know at this point because it's so week by week. It all kind of feels, it's feeling a little flat. For me, um, the show in general, it's feeling a little flat, like the, the characters to some extent, it's all feeling kind of like a, it's it's feeling too, two dimensional, I guess, with the way of putting it. Like, sure. I don't feel any depth in the story. Like, this is another um, instance of a very just this is what happens this week on She-Hulk and sets up some things. Sure. But. I didn't feel overly invested while watching. I didn't also feel incredibly entertained while watching. Um, something that I think is a little bothersome where as a Marvel fan, I'm into it and watching. But as someone just sitting down to watch a show of television, I wasn't like super locked in. It's a casual watch, which I think is kind of the vibe, right? Almost like look away for 30 seconds, come back. Oh, what happened? Oh, right. Got it. <laughs> and you keep watching the show. Um 
so that's where I'm at with, with this episode. Um, I don't want to be too negative on it in the sense that I'm not trashing it. I'm not even trying to trash the show in general because I think it still has a lot of upside and a lot of positivity around it and stuff that I enjoy about the show. Like I have more positives today we're going to get to than negatives. It's right. just that it's so short, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a tw- it feels like 20 minutes, a little snippet. And I, I'm lacking the depth. There, there's so many things that I wish the show was doing that it's not. So that was my overall thoughts. Matt, what do you think? Where are you at with She-Hulk? We're, we're over halfway now. Right. So with this episode specifically, episode five, it is just so unbelievably genuinely fine. And um, I'm not going to say this is the worst episode. It is my least favorite episode. And I think that's what this show gives you, you know, you and you talk about it, the lack of depth, the lack of um, importance with the overall story. Those are the kind of things they are opting out of They're Those are the kind of things that they're actively not putting at the top of their priority list. And what that does is, as I talked about last week, go back and listen to episode four review. I called it a 10 out of 10. I said it was the perfect episode for what this show is. It this show because they aren't attempting death depth because they aren't attempting super importance especially to the mcu narrative it it i think raises their floor because they're allowed to have more fun and you know you go back to last week it's a good example of that but this week it also lowers their ceiling you know it doesn't hit when it is that case of the week that monster of the week and the weekly thing doesn't hit it lowers, you know, what this show can be. And and like yeah. you said, within the 20, 25 minute span that we get, if if there's one key piece that isn't a, you know, it doesn't work with you, especially with comedy when things are so subjective, um, right. you know, it's, it's going to just overall bring everything down. But again, as I said last week, because of the tone that they've committed to, because of the style that they're presenting, I think it's hard to really get too low on this show. Um, But on the other hand, it also is incapable of getting too high. Um, So I think, I think last week being, in my opinion, a banger and this week being a little more boring, like you said, um, I think that that's a good example of the range that this show has. You know, I think this is the floor. I think last week is the ceiling and anything else is just gravy. Right. So um, I'm excited to talk about it. I'm excited to talk about, you know, just some things I'm noticing out of the show, hopefully to just get you more bought in on the week to week thing. Not that, I, you know, I'm not showing up to this podcast to convince you to like the show. If you don't like the week to week, that's fine. That's what it is, though. And I'm excited for the opportunity that raises. And we'll get into that when we dive into spoilers. Now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get all right, David, let's dive into the spoilers. Let's get our popcorn out. Get your popcorn ready. It's football season after all. That's right. Um, Chargers Chiefs tonight. Holy shit. Very Amazon excited. Prime, baby. You better you better Wait. have Amazon if you want to Herb tune in. Herb Street making that NFL run. I'm very excited. Yeah, um, cool. Good popcorn, though, David. Get, get Terrell Owens of this episode. Let's call it. What is the good popcorn from She-Hulk episode five for you? Great reference there, Tio. Um, my first one today is actually something I pointed this out because I don't think what I'm going to say is spectacularly great, but it's something that I've been missing in this show that I thought we got a little more of, which is character development for Jennifer Walters. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically in the end, near the end, where she has the boyfriends come up um, as witnesses during the case against uh, Titania. I was it Tatiana <laughs> against Titania. And there's a little moment of like who she is, right? Her val, her worth, her value, 
as Jennifer compared to She-Hulk. I mean, the, the doctor, which was alluded to before when after they like slept together the ne- next morning, um, it's just Jen. And he's like, OK, well, I'll see you later. Right. Like, I, he didn't want to have breakfast or anything or hang out. And in this episode, he explicitly says in front of, you know, the judge. Yeah, I'm really into She-Hulk, but not really so much Jennifer and great motion capture facial uh expressions happening with the she-hulk right Mm -hmm. where it's like there is some emotion happening and just fascinating that that i think they need to embrace more of that as the heart of the show because i think it's missing some of that it's missing some of the heart that we've seen in some of these other shows from marvel um on disney plus like kamala we felt so close and personal to her and like for jen it's been so much of like uh, her job uh a little bit of this, a little bit of that, like the dating site. And this episode uh, to me, introducing the idea that there is kind of more to this balance between being She-Hulk and what that represents and in a positive way and then being Jen as well. Um, I really appreciate that. And I enjoyed that just that little tiny moment we got in this. And I will hope I hope they continue on to that with the last four episodes coming up. Yeah, I think uh, I completely agree there. I, I think that's the plot of this episode. And and it almost makes this episode have a filler vibe because we did just kind of catch up on some things that maybe we haven't gotten the past couple weeks with last week being so funny. I feel like, you know, this was a chance for them to just kind of catch us up a little bit. And, you know, a filler vibe for a sitcom seems like a double negative. But again, I talked about that floor. Um, yeah, the character development here for Jim Walters. I think, um, you know, we got that bit at the end of episode, I want to say three, when the wrecking crew came in and tried to yes. take her blood or whatever, yep, she looked at herself three. in the mirror and be like, Oh, this is kind of what I am right now. And, you know, just little pieces of it. And it kind of all came to a head there. Um, great acting by the guy, the doctor who yes, bailed on he's her. Good. She was Jen. He was, he seemed very sincere and, you know, he just laid it out, you know, just not really my type. And, and I think, um, you know, just a funnier twist on that. They did a really good job showing just how different Jen and She-Hulk was. There was a lot of Jen in the big suit in this episode. A lot of tiny Jen big suit um, throughout the episode, which I found very entertaining. She is yeah. very small. She's a I tiny like that. little person. And I like that a lot. Um, <laughs> she also recently got married. Tatiana Maslany. Congratulations. Oh. Um, which is very exciting. I will move on to my first bit of good popcorn. Nikki and Pug. Nikki has been a stud for me week after week. I think she's a great role player on this team. And uh, this was kind of the Nikki episode, right? You know, this is this is kind of, you know, our the most time we spent with Nikki and the, probably the most or second most time we spent with Pug. Um, I thought Pug and the douchebag yeah. from episode three, I missed that review. I thought they were very funny together. Yeah. Um, but man, <laughs> Nikki and Pug, I find them genuinely hilarious. Anytime Nikki talks, I'm laughing. Pug, uh, you know, one for uh, one for what is it? One for floor, one for store. When he's talking about the Iron Man threes, got to catch those threes. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that beyond more than anybody will ever understand. That's just a fun what what depth to pug <laughs> you know, what I, mean? you know I, I i it's funny i don't want to step on your good popcorn no, here but like i i loved this a uh, little element like just specifically that right where it's yeah. like he's just like one of us he's like i want to get the new drop and i yeah. want to buy two of them and i want to you know i want to stash and one they're only wear... giving one to every customer <laughs> yeah right i'm like this is awesome it felt very real world and like mm-hmm. how it would see that that's what the beauty of the show it's a, as an mcu fan like these moments of like, this is how it would actually be if there were superheroes flying around, like there would be this merchandise. Um, and I liked, we had never really had the little, a little side quest with Nikki and pug yet. And I, I enjoyed that element right. to it for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is a, you know, this is a constant 
MCU thing. It's like having a starting pitcher that you know is going five. You know is going five every single game. Yeah. Is these these supplemental characters are always just so entertaining and charismatic and they fill in these gaps in such great ways what would the best friend of a new superhero be like you know we've seen that so many times i feel like nikki and pug are a different iteration of that and i'm yeah just a fan huge fan and uh nikki and pug also allows us to meet some other creatures in the mcu just like my guy this is this is the best part of this show or this episode to me is luke um, also known as what did he call him or what do they call him? The, uh, the drip, the drip broker, drip broker. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Basically they're on this search for the drip broker. It ends up being this, uh, I don't know how to describe Luke, just what you would imagine. Great. I love the acting, uh, whoever that is. He does a great job, like nailing it of being that like prick fashionable guy, like fashion star. And he's really, I, uh, who tweeted this? Um, I thought of it. Edna, yeah, she's the he I'm is so the sorry. Edna mode. What? <laughs> I just took I just took your reveal. You said oh, who no. tweeted this, and I thought you were trying to come up. It's Edna mode. <laughs> Edna mode. Yeah, from the Incredibles. No, it's okay. And it's such a cool. I I love that element now in the MCU of it. Just it's not all Iron Man, <laughs> right? It's not just Tony Stark making all the suits and everything. We have our new kind of like Edna mode where, uh, I haven't mentioned it now, like what that can mean for why Matt Murdock reaches out to him to make his suit. I have a billion questions about that. And I love the very, I mean, I think they literally, I mean, it's all Disney. They took moments from Edna mode, like personality. I think they, I a hundred percent think they like had things written in the script or like the director, um, like their directing was like, Mm -hmm. Hey, like act like her from the movie. Cause like the whole, I know everything better than you. You don't know what you're talking about. You're just the, you're just the strength here. Like I am the artiste, right? Like I know how to make you look good. I don't know how to make you feel good. And even just the, the excitement that he ultimately gets from the fact of her going from a Hulk to a She-Hulk. Yeah. Right. The challenge and getting two things. And And then the very end where he not only has one suit for, but two. Yeah. Absolutely. Love that. What did you think? I, I, yeah, he's, he's um, exactly what you need to be here. Edna mode um, for anybody who's trying to understand, you know, this reference even further, if you like modern family, um, small show from the late two thousands, maybe you've heard of it. Um, modern family uh, pepper played by Nathan Lane, the voice of Timon from Lion King. Uh, this is like a combination of pepper and Edna mode. Another thing that they stole from Edna mode with uh, Luke here. He's so fabulous. You know, he's just he's very bougie. And I dig that. And I dig that about him. And uh, for for Nikki and Pug to be the ones to meet him first, I think that's really exciting, too. So, um, yeah, man, I thought that uh, he was a great uh, a tribute to this episode. And it uh, is answering some of the fashion critiques I had last week, um, yeah. which is really funny that they went back to that. I thought about uh, that, too, because yeah. like and, it, and it's the same in this episode, too. Like she looks so goofy as She-Hulk in the they, same suit. And pointed time. it out. You look like yeah. a, you look like an NFL player um, uh, testing not guilty to a murder <laughs> charge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> like, I, or was that a DUI? So funny. Huh? A DUI. DUI. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. That was a Henry Ruggs joke. What? The, yeah. Oh no. <laughs> uh, bad human. Um, it's so funny. They they answered that critique of mine last week out of nowhere. And also the Jen Walters yeah. character development thing. That's something we both talked about last week. Proving how good last week's episode was. Just say it. Uh my last bit of good popcorn, <laughs> more of a theory, if I may. 
this is kind of dipping into moving forward, but you talked about Luke. I want to talk about Daredevil. Obviously, the end of the episode, big reveal. Daredevil's yellow helmet, which looks fantastic, by the way. Um, designing a new suit. You know, discretion is key, all this stuff, right? I want to point out just how, and I'm writing an article about this. It'll be up on the direct.com um, sometime tomorrow. So nice. if you want to check out just a more deep dive of it. I just want to point out how genius it is to bring daredevil in in his first proper introduction here in she hulk you know mm. obviously he had a cameo in no way home but it was very much a cameo and and kind of upset some people that it was so limited in the role there but a real introduction the first time we'll actually get to hear about matt murdoch's life um is here in she hulk attorney at law and i just want to point out how genius that is you have daredevil played by charlie cox such a complex mcu Peace. It's a free agent they signed over last offseason is how I'm looking at it, right? Yeah. And it's like Patrick Stewart. It's like Hugh Jackman eventually. It's like um, Evan Peters and WandaVision. A very complicated piece to introduce in a very structured, systematic universe. You have Charlie Cox, who had three seasons of what's widely considered great superhero television, introducing what many people, David included, consider the best comic book TV series of all time. And I think that it's such a complicated thing with this character because all these questions, all these messy continuity questions, is this the same Charlie Cox? Is this a rebooted Charlie Cox? Is this a soft reboot? Does the blip have anything to do with it? Does the multiverse have anything to do with it? How are they going to not only introduce this character, but reference all of those things? How are they going to let the audience know what's going on? And also, if you haven't yet, do you need to go back and watch all of three seasons of daredevil netflix so many messy continuity questions that not only need to be asked but answered in some sort of clear-cut way ambiguity is going to hurt this no matter what right and they are introducing him in a show where it is perfectly acceptable and encouraged for the main character to look right into the camera and tell the audience exactly what is happening right genius if spider-man looked right at the camera and said hey guys you know this is charlie cox's daredevil from the netflix series he was blip for five years and he came back and nothing was the same so he's coming to la to do this new journey this is a new daredevil but it's the same daredevil make sure to go watch all three seasons now on disney plus spider-man does that we all throw fruit at the screen you know what i mean you can't do that in a movie that's stupid (laughs) she hawk does it we stand on our couch and cheer yeah. It's a real thing, and yeah. I really think they're going to do it. Really? And, uh, okay. Friend of the show, Tim Gettys, thinks so as well. Um, but I think I think Jen is going to look directly into the camera and say something along the lines of, huh, so it is the same Matt Murdock. Make sure to go watch Daredevil, now on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I'm going to laugh, and it's going to fit. It's going to fit so well. What did they say when Bruce Banner says, I'm a completely different person? Right. <laughs> genius dude good one genius and and it's not only that it's it's not just the decision it's how well they have bodied in the tone the vibe and the feel of the show to make that such an acceptable thing if this was like an in-betweener thing where it was kind of a sitcom kind of not whatever that might not work this is so full-blown look break the fourth wall sitcom that it's going to crush and i just wanted to just point out how amazing of a decision that is creatively and how how well i think it's going to clear the fog going forward yeah no i totally agree um i would love i would absolutely love if that's the direction they chose to and make it so i'm not sure they will in this they have 
oh, I want them to now that you lay it out because they have the opportunity, right? Like you said, breaking that fourth wall. I'm just not sure they're going to. I, I have, I have for some reason an apprehension of like I could see where they don't want to be that meta because they do use it sparingly. Um, yes, you know what I, I agree. mean. Like they do use it sparingly, and I think it could be a more subtle wink and a nod. Yeah. Yeah. No, and and I agree with you. I what I laid out was a hyperbolistic uh, version of it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. And I agree they've used it sparingly. I think two things. One, I think they've used it sparingly to save kind of a big one. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like True. the fourth wall break is going to be big and important at some point. Two, I think this would be the perfect execution of it. The yeah. ideal execution of it for the reasons I pointed out earlier. And also, if this is any kind of confusing going into Daredevil Born Again or even Echo, it's going to be a distraction. That's it's also going to be something that they have to handle in other projects. I think now is the time to make it happen, even if it just even if it is just something along the lines of, huh, so it is canon. Wink. Just like you said. <laughs> yeah. a, a, quite literally, David, a wink and a nod. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I think it would it will be interesting as a really like I love like you mentioned, I love the show. It'd be interesting because to me, it almost feels like there needs to be more of an explanation because even just based off of Kingpin's already been a role character right. in Hawkeye like that, even, you know, he's just there. We don't really have much context for like why and what he's doing, how that how it ends with him. Right. Like straight out of the comics. Very interesting. Like, I think this is all very interesting. I think, like you said, She-Hulk has a great opportunity to answer these questions and to give us like an idea like this is canon or it's not because mm-hmm. i'll be honest and we're gonna it gets to kind of what we're gonna talk about a little bit like going forward with daredevil i kind of feel like it's kind of not right it, i'm curious how this goes with daredevil and she hulk into the mcu because born born again is a season one we know that for sure you know they said it is obviously in the MCU. They're not just going to continue like with the same. It's not the same showrunners. That's kind of right. I think the biggest element of it. But I do think Born Again season one in the blip. MCU, the blip. Yeah, I hope there is a like real world MCU explanation. But I also kind of feel like there may not be. But I, I'm hoping there is. I'm hoping yeah. there is like a canon in universe explanation for how those two netflix and now this connect Mm -hmm. yeah and and just i know we're going long on this one bit of good popcorn but you know you ever just get that one piece of good popcorn that you can't stop chewing me neither that was gum that fell into your bucket of popcorn but um (laughs) i think that i think that um oh see now i lost my train of thought how do these connect how are they going to do it lost it um no i think that um I think that moving on with Daredevil and Netflix is so important because of what they can do here. And I hope they take that opportunity. That's, that's all yeah. I'll say. Again, uh, please go check out that article. It'll be up sometime tomorrow. Just got the green light, so I'll be writing it, Love um, it. tomorrow morning, I guess. So here we go. Moving on. Burnt popcorn for David's worst episode, my least favorite episode. Check out the burnt popcorn. Interesting that there's only two pieces of it today. Yeah, definitely interesting. I think it's because, like you mentioned earlier, this was a filler-esque episode. I don't want to say it's a full-on filler episode. Um, I do just think, like, not... Even compared to the episode... Was that last week with Wong? Yeah. I mean, that there was so much more happening there um, with all the uh, moving parts. And I didn't like... 
what was his Johnny name? Blaze. Johnny Blaze. I would say like Donald Johnny Danger. Blaze. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny Blaze. Um, Donnie Blaze. Donnie Very Blaze. Very specifically, Donnie Blaze. Donnie if that Blaze. was Johnny Blaze, it, there would be an uproar. <laughs> <laughs> um, Titania's back. She's, Imagine she... if that's how they introduced Johnny Blaze. <laughs> <laughs> Ghost Rider uh, is a magician. <laughs> yeah, that would have gotten the the mom um, mad. Um, yeah. Um, Titania's back. We had the stinger at the end of episode one. Super just to me, this is where the show does not shine. Uninteresting story. This whole trademark idea. We're we're buying time to me. Like compared to what could come out, like no real serious issue. It's all resolved in the end. I mentioned we get the little bit of character development, but to me, Titania, and I know um What's the um, actress's name that Jamila plays Jamil. her? Jamila Jamil. She is super passionate about this project. She loves it. I don't necessarily love maybe her or slash the character in this. I'm not like drawn to her and, and think that she's someone that I keep wanting to see as a reoccurring character because I'm kind of I'm kind of over it at this point. Like I get it. I, I, I get the joke. I get the bit. Um, And in this case, OK, you know, she's she's using the She-Hulk name for all these. I like the jokes kind of about like the jokes were funny. Wh- Women's like beauty and how everything's all the same. These ridiculous names. Oil, tonic, tincture. <laughs> you know, like how are these not all the same thing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but just how we, we've talked, I've talked, you know, about stakes in this show. Um, and once again, whatever, right? Like, boo-hoo, Jen's gonna like have to fight this legal battle, but it gets solved in one episode. It's it's that whole idea that we talked <laughs> about how case of the week. You know, we're we're getting through it in one episode and I'm not it's not sticking with me. Yeah, It's not like it's not a baked potato sticking to my ribs. You know, I'm not I'm not gaining half a pound after eating this meal that She-Hulk. I'm, I'm eating a salad. And it's going right Heavy. through me. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. just, it's what it's I don't know how, how how more clearly I can explain that to everyone. No, no, that was that was perfect. Well, <laughs> how do you dress up your baked potato? Butter. Sure. Sour cream. Well, if I'm going loaded, man, I'm loading yeah, yeah, yeah. up. Yeah, Your yeah, ideal yeah. baked potato. What's all on it? Oh, butter, sour cream, cheese, cheddar, bacon bits, and then some green onions. You sure. know, those chopped green onions. Perfect. I'm chucking some barbecue sauce on that guy. Whoa. <laughs> oh, barbecue sauce. Delicious. I put barbecue sauce on everything. Um, Titania was uh, Titania was also my burnt popcorn of the week. And this uh, this is that case of the week. Con, you know, there there are pros to it, in my opinion, in that we're able to get an entire Wong story in one episode. And Wong is, you know, able to have a good time and, yeah. uh, you know, all those different things. And it, it allows us to flesh out Asgard, magic, the legality of magic, all these different things. Right. That's the pros. The cons is if the case of the week isn't vibing really well with you, it's going to just drop the episode for you. You know, it's, it's an all in kind of situation. We didn't really love the new Asgard elf either now you know there Jin wasn't that that was pug's case not Jin's case which i found was an interesting thing that they did so it didn't impact us as much in yeah. episode two i want to say but um with this one titania was the episode this was Jin, and i i'm with you i just didn't find her very funny you know what it was she wasn't madison that's true Same kind of vibe like like madison's yeah, definitely more valley and this was more like social media hey guys kind of thing mm. um you know, a little more aware um but uh madison was so good last week titania i just felt 
uh, fell flat. And just real quick on Jamila Jamil, people love her from The Good Place, starring Ted Danson and Kristen Stewart. Um, Kristen Stewart. Nope. Christian Bell. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, apparently she is such a different character in that show to the point where she has a British accent. She is a British person. So so this was just a completely different role for her. Um, I will say the hyper attractive lawyer representing Jen did make those scenes a little more fun to watch um, because she was a bomb dude. (laughs) Like, yeah, a lot of hot people in the show. Across the board, a lot of hot people in this show. But um, yeah, I'm with you. Titania kind of stunk for me. And that's the downside of the case of the week thing. You know, you're sometimes it's not going to hit Mandalorian season one had a couple stinkers. You know, I agree. We had had, uh, old boy who found Fennec Shan. You know, that's that that was a bad episode of Star Wars. You're going to get that. So um, I'm with you. That's the burnt popcorn. And, you know, we talked about how there's more good popcorn than burnt popcorn. It's a big piece of burnt popcorn when the, yeah. when the plot isn't great. Um, moving on, top plays. Uh, we we covered a lot of this. Do you have sure. any specific fun little moments? I did just have. Besides, I mentioned we the Daredevil helmet. Awesome, how it's for delivery or, or for pickup. I think right. Yeah, it's for pickup, and it needs pickup. to be uh, discreet. You can't just have this out about. Love that. So um, and then the other little thing we wrote an article about on the direct.com was the little post credit. Um, not not a post credit scene, but like that image credit, where you yeah. see like. I love the Daredevil shoes specifically, or not Daredevil, um, the Deadpool shoes. Yeah. Um, because that's like kind of crazy when you think about it. Like, that's the first time Daredevil has been mentioned in the proper MCU, um, which I think is pretty cool. Um, I think it's a sign that, you know, he may appear before his movie, right? Yeah. I mean, that that I think that to me that's what that could tell. So beyond everything else we already talked about in the good popcorn section, I think just that if you guys know what we're talking about, there's in like the during the credit roll. It's all those fun, like water illustrations. Sketches. Yeah, sketches. Exactly. Great way of putting Horror, it. Yeah, yeah. And there's all this, there's like the shoe rack that Pug yeah. is going to be at, you know, shopping. And yeah, there's obviously the Iron Man's, but there's all these other characters. Uh, I think there was a Spider Man one. Um, but the Deadpool to me stuck out the most because you could just see his, his eyes on the yeah. side of the shoe. So uh, there was a Deadpool one, there was a Spider Man one. Pretty Ben Riley esque with the black mm. spider on the blue background. Come on now, come on now. That's the best suit in that game. This is a Ben Riley one. Oh, okay. Scarlet Spider. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's also a Cyclops shoe, a shoe for the Thing from Fantastic Four, a shoe for Doctor Doom, the yeah. Goblin. Bunch of different. A uh, Jean Grey one, I think it was green and yellow. I can't think of anybody else who's green and yellow other than Vision. But there's definitely another Vision one that has some red in it, but. Great picture. Go read the article. It's awesome. That's the probably the coolest thing out of this episode, right? Yeah. Um, I just want to shout out Pug one more time. He's hilarious. And uh, <laughs> oh, oh, and the guy, the they brought back all of her dates. They specifically focused on the one that was asking her questions about her superhero powers. Yeah. This guy's up to some shit. Mm-hmm. He's up to some shit. I think it's leader involved. We'll Maybe. See. We will see. Um, and that uh, brings us into the film room. I talked about mine with just the tone of the show, allowing them this great opportunity with Daredevil next week. Any other film notes that we have here in the film room? Nothing pretty, really. It's, it's uh, pretty cut and dry every week as far as how they're shooting. Yeah, it's it feels like very much so the same. I do think that the CGI is hit or miss, but this episode felt like a lot of misses. We talked about last week how like with the, you know, a lot of the like the sunlight, the lighting in the courtroom. Um, kind of gets a little plasticky on her face and even just the way she walks sometimes looks very like yeah. video game but not mm-hmm. in a good way at all um 
So just no action. There is zero action in this episode, um, which is fine. Um, but uh, to me, CGI, I would definitely like less of it, but it it's what the show is. So that I can't really request that fairly, I guess. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think the CGI we have, it, it has been clear five weeks in. It's like a trend in football. When this show is doing courtroom stuff or light of day stuff, the CGI is worse than when it's action oriented or when she's trying to be sexy and, the, and they can get her in that dark lighting and that candlelit kind of vibe and get really up close. There's the scene in the trailer where she's showing off her ass in the tight dress or whatever. Yeah. You know, and somebody says like, Ooh, look at your ass or something. Yeah. Yeah. That scene looks significantly better than anything courtroom wise. So yep. weirdly enough, it's the arms, I think. Her arms being accessible and visible, I think, do a lot for the CGI. I don't know why. Yeah, that's a good point. It doesn't point. make any sense why that would be the case. It's but the it clothes right. look weird. Like the clothes and like the hair up almost. Um, there's something about it that doesn't really like mix well for just mm-hmm. be- for believability, right. I think. Because I know what you're talking about. Like even like episode one when she was Bruce, she was yeah. a lot better there. And Amazing. she obviously... Yeah, like, but like in like a normal, like a shirt, short shorts, and like see your arm, see your full body. Like, I don't know. I, I guess that I guess it helps. Besides, like this big, giant, huge suit walking around. It's so funny they called it out the suit. Yeah, it's so funny. It's they funny. Called out the suit. But it's because, like, like we so, have been talking about that for three weeks now. I know. The and, suit specifically sucks. <laughs> and Titania called her Hulk uh, or uh, Sh- Shrek. Shrek. That Confirm. was funny. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff uh and as far as moving forward we still don't know who the boss of the wrecking crew is we don't have any new indications other than captain america new world order new main villain the leader a hulk villain makes so much sense to want she hulk's blood right makes all the sense in the world so keep an eye out for the leader that i think he shot to the top of the list of favorites for who is the bad guy for sure Yep, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, that is She-Hulk episode five. We'll see you back here next week, episode six. David, we're back on track. Me and you, new episodes every week. That's the first new episode of She-Hulk I watched in the last five weeks. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, I know. We're we're back on track. That's true. Very excited. And uh, speaking of back on track, we are going to be doing one big, last, awesome, amazing, fun, super fantastic draft here on the Direct Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the direct draft. David, this will be our last draft for like a month because next week we start Andor reviews to go along with She-Hulk reviews to go along with House of the Dragon reviews, very packed episodes of the direct podcast coming to your ears very soon. So in light of that, we decided to do a very big draft. And for this very big draft, we brought in two very big guest first and foremost friend of the show somebody you all know and love you know i want to he definitely deserves a big intro but like if i give him one every single time it would just be crazy ladies and gentlemen the direct.com's very own machine richard nevins nevins how we doing good good thank you guys so much for having me looking forward to coming on as always you're the man you're the man the beard looks great and i think i'm excited to hear what your big brain has to say today and another big brain we have including us including with us today, very special friend of the show. Um, yeah, he hosts a podcast, 15 Minutes of Marvel and 24 Minutes of A24. Is that what that is? Yeah, baby. Oh, look at me go, ladies look and gentlemen. You. Our friend in a shed in his backyard, Ethan. So me, Ethan, how are we doing? I'm I'm doing great, man. You just summed me up perfectly. Um, that was it. And, <laughs> and I'm, I'm stoked to be back on the pod, especially for a draft. Things are going to get weird. Oh, yeah. 
Let's well, go. yeah, I mean, you're one of our more competitive guests, so I do like having you on for the drafts. <laughs> I try Good to time. be. I try to be. Try to be. So, uh, you know, David, the people are wondering what we're drafting today. Why don't you give them the title? So this is going to be the character debut draft. So pretty much any character, from what I understand, right, Matt? In the MCU. In the MCU, yes, of course. <laughs> what? Who? Do, look who's on this guest panel. Like this is this is the MCU. <laughs> let's, I just let's, feel like we're coming more becoming a Marvel show, and I feel bad about it. <laughs> this ain't the DCEU debut. No one cares. No one even knows what that is. Um, <laughs> that that is that, Wonder yeah. Woman uh, in black or in uh. Batman v Superman. And that's it. That is the only one. There's the draft. That is it. One and done. MCU characters debuting. Um, The ground rules that we've made up are basically that it is their first appearance on screen. Whether that's a post-credit scene, whether that's in their own movie. Obviously, RDJ and Iron Man 1 would be an example of there's no way to avoid that, right? (laughs) He is the the first MCU movie and he is the opening character. So, yes, there is a, a lot of directions we can go in. We're doing it fantasy draft style, so you have to pick one debut from each phase. We're now up to four phases, which makes it exciting for four of us being on here. Hopefully, you boys did your homework, have your list out, your fantasy pros open on the side, because there's a lot to get into. Um, And we can, by the way, for the listeners out there and for you guys as well, you can go in any order with the phases, right? There's strategy involved. You you have to say, okay, so from phase blank, I'm selecting so-and-so, which I think um, I forget who did, I think Richard was on for the last podcast we did or yeah. draft we did for the fantasy style, right, Richard? Yes, the CGI one. Yes. And I oh, think yeah, that was for, fun. Yeah, the listeners back, uh the, hopefully the listeners that um heard that one, it was a very fun draft, and there was a lot of interesting strategy to it that we'd miss in some of our other drafts. So I'm very excited about today because there is some more extra layer of strategy filling out our team, our quarterback, our two running backs, a wide receiver, maybe a tight end in there. Um, but yeah, Matt, uh Let's get into it. Let's do just that. The draft order decided right before we got on here is going to be me, David, Ethan, and then Nevins at the turn, snake draft style. Ethan, are you ready? I was born ready, Matt. Don't try to get in my head before we even start to draft. Lance Stevenson, <laughs> born ready. Single Lance Stevenson. Richard, are you ready? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, ooh, yeah, I, I don't even want to get into NBA said, stuff right now because that's that's gonna. <laughs> I am ready for this. I am so not ready for for NBA. That's a whole other story for a whole other day. I did just learn I get NBA league pass with my work today. Nice, nice, Go. David. I know you are ready, so I will get this one started, guys. I did not want the first overall pick. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is not something I wanted for my life because I like having a little more fun creativity going into these drafts i like shocking people with something they maybe haven't heard of but i feel like the number one overall pick has to be a certain character and i feel like it has to be someone that we all know and love in the weakest category if you ask me phase okay. one tony stark iron oh, man wow it's, okay it's not um, a surprise I, pick at all interesting interesting no. um i think phase one is the thinnest category here not because we don't have great characters there don't get me wrong i feel like the debut got better as the mcu went on but it started right here with tony stark in iron man it's you know you know you can talk about the movie and how it set the tone for the mcu but you look at the character that is tony stark charismatic but flawed entertaining but grungy you know smart but has fun 
and all these different things. That is the model for what the best MCU characters end up being. Obviously, there's nothing's copy and paste in the MCU, despite what people want to tell you. Uh, but I think Tony Stark set the table for what I think the MCU does best is they put charismatic people and charismatic roles. And so efficiently that allows us to fall in love with these characters. And it makes the more extreme stories they tell later matter more, you know, like we had a guy fly a nuke through a wormhole and we're like, Oh no, Tony, <laughs> you know, like, like that's a real thing. And I think it all started here with Iron Man. So Tony Stark and Iron Man will be my first pick here in the debuts draft. Nice. Um, Ethan, I want to go to you. What are your, what are your thoughts on the Tony Stark Iron Man pick? Uh, look, I think that is the um, the bar none like first pick. I think that sets the MCU. It's you know directed by John Favreau. It is what sets all of this off. And especially if you're talking about Tony Stark, like when we when we meet him, like you know one of the iconic moments. He has a drink in his hand. He's yeah. on a, in a convoy. He's saying like I don't want to see this on your MySpace page. Like we get an incredible you know reference to things that don't exist anymore. Like. I, I think that movie is so gritty and like down to earth and so different from the MCU we have now um, that uh, Tony's Tony's the way to go. Is phase one the slimmest phase? I don't know. I think that's something we'll get into as as we go. But I look smart pick. There's no way around it. I appreciate that very much. David, we're on to you. The so, second pick in the first round. Steve. Do you like Tony Stark there? Or are you were are you mad he's not here at two? So, where, where yeah, so Tony Stark to me, he's like the 101 guy. He's Jonathan Taylor, the safe pick, the obvious. If I had had the number one overall pick, I would have gone for something more flashy. The Justin Jefferson, if you will. And my Justin Jefferson is in phase three, Peter yeah. Parker, Civil oh, War. So um, flashy I would have, and unexpected. I know. I, I, well, I would have picked the number one. Like, no doubt about it. I, I was so locked into this pick first round because it is my personal favorite debut in the MCU because it is such a sudden, amazing. Um, uh, mine was, in, you know, on the first floor. Where was yours? Boom. Queens. <laughs> Yeah. Best, best needle drop yeah. needle drop and yes. just so a good. like picture perfect as a kid like i was what was i 18 watching the movie and like as a kid growing up being a huge spider-man fan and like seeing tom holland first act as peter parker i'm like whole like this is peter parker like th this is this literally is spider-man i'm seeing in front of me like he's perfect for it he reminded me a lot immediately of like the animated series like spectacular spider-man of like oh wow this is like a whole different like this is spider-man spider boy right like and they even make jokes yeah. about it, it such well-crafted um writing in that scene and just tom holland right like Think about the context of putting this together. They cancel the Amazing Spider-Man three. They shift things around. Unprecedented waters with these two studios connecting, and this is the picture perfect movie moment scene we get, and sets them up for an amazing one of the best MCU trilogies. Maybe my favorite one. Let's be honest, it is. I <laughs> love uh, Peter Parker's introduction and just sets him up for such an amazing future. And it had such high stakes to me, right? Like. Okay, this is our third iteration of Peter Parker. Two years after we had a sequel with Andrew Garfield, what's this kid going to be like? Is he going to be any good? Hits that out of the ballpark, and now we've you know years later. No, oh, geez, over six years later, we've got a trilogy. No way home. It's incredible to see how far we've come. And gosh, 
18-year-old David was losing his mind in the theater when this happened. It's one of my like most joyous moments, if I'm being honest here. Richard, what did you think of my pick? Well, I'll say this. Uh, 26-year-old Richard was absolutely losing his shit in, <laughs> uh, in the theater when Civil War brought Spider-Man into the MCU. Like, we had heard about Spider-Man coming into the MCU only a few months before. Spider-Man is clearly the biggest Marvel character in history, and he's finally joining the MCU. Um, this is a moment that everybody was waiting months and months for, and I don't think they could have done it any better. There words needed like you said the giant visual that just said queens on the screen and that needle drop which i remember was one of our needle drops draft picks uh back when we did that with uh Matt, Matt and liam shout out liam crowley um that that moment was just absolutely perfect they could not have set up peter parker more frequently in the mcu if anybody else tried in my opinion i love it math test nailed it ethan what do you think of the spider-man pick i just want to raise one question, and it's rhetorical because I feel like we all know the answer. Is this the most impactful character debut in the universe itself? I think you have a very good argument to say that it is, if not the most impactful, the biggest, the, the most anticipated, the one that shaped the future of the universe, especially considering where we are now. I think this has so much weight and context behind it. It is a, a beautiful pick. There's an yeah, argument for it. That's a lot of questions right there. <laughs> but but I definitely think it's the most anticipated by far. You know, this Easily. is the trailer, right? Hey, everybody. Like, like yeah. that's that's like everybody says, man, imagine. Imagine if they didn't put that in the trailer. We'd all, we'd piss ourselves. It'd oh my crazy. gosh, literally. Um, I do think it's the most impactful character debut in somebody else's movie, for sure. Yes. Um, I think, you know, we can make some arguments around the corner with some more origin stories. Spider-Man never got a true origin story in the mcu you know what i mean right. so like that that's a different kind of impactful so i think uh it's a great question i think that's a ooh, a most impactful draft would just be really fun you know you that gotta would be great character you got to pick a movie you got to pick a director you got to oh, boys Tough. boys Tough. something big is cooking over <laughs> here next time next time of mine ethan's to me third picks first round we have a phase three off the board we have a phase one off the board what is where are you going where are you going with your picker yeah, I, I think this is where strategy is going to start to come into play a little bit more as as phases narrow down, because when you talk about debuts, certain phases are just like not very deep in, in terms of that. Um, and mm-hmm. so you kind of have to figure it out. And I'm going to I'm going to try not to overthink this. Uh, Matt, you know, I'm a chronic overthinker when it comes to my drafting strategies mm-hmm. and usually <laughs> kicks my butt about it. Oxygen so. Drafts. Uh yeah, actually he puts numbers on his picks. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with a phase one pick here, and I think it is not that Tony Stark level, but I think it is really really close to it, and it does set up a lot of things. I'm going with the first post credit pick of the draft, and that is Nick Fury for uh for Iron Man post credit nice. scene. Stole my pick, buddy. Oh, thank God. Damn it. Okay, thank goodness. <laughs> thank God. I mean, he says- <laughs> specifically because obviously you're you're introduced to Nick Fury, right? This is a big deal in setting up the Avengers and you know from the start that the Avengers are coming. You just don't know a timeline. You know that it is being set up and is being worked on. And the line from Nick Fury, uh, Mr. Stark, you've become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. That You talk about impactful post-credit scenes. Our post-credit scenes that we get now are different. They're just a different breed than what this was. This was the teaser post-credit of like, hey, we're just going to tantalize you a little bit for what's coming in the years 
in the years forthcoming. Um, and I think that <laughs> I think that us, you know, outside of Nick Fury, the character having Samuel L. Jackson join the MCU from the start is absurd. It's insane, and and I couldn't not take this pick. I had chills when you were talking about that just now, uh, David. <laughs> the the Nick Fury pick probably going to be our shortest pick on this draft. Meaning what, what was it being two lines, you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, two lines of dialogue. Yeah, maybe not, not discrediting the pick at all. That's not the game I'm playing here. I think yeah. it's a worthy first round pick, but it's definitely going to be the shortest. I think picked here, unless we get a couple more later. David, what do we think of the Nick Fury pick? Totally on my list. Um, an amazing, I think, debut for a character. Just like AI, just second everything right. Ethan said about what that scene was and the first post credit scene too like that that's not this draft but like that has an impact as well speaking about the context of these debuts like there was something special about that yeah. moment samuel jackson made for the role and still doing it 14 rdj's out samuel jackson secret invasion secret let's invasion go. right marvels this dude is still cooking in the mcu so it's crazy to think about where he's starting where he's still at in the mcu it's just great pick ethan go on Absolutely. Nebens, uh, where are we going to close out the first round here? Well, I mean, after Ethan stole Sam Jackson from me, I uh, I was I was so set on that. But Lucky. I think I got one that's going to rival it. Um, he may not have the uh, the tenure that Sam Jackson has, but I think the way Sam Jackson set up, you know, the rest of the Infinity and Multiverse saga, I think this one opens the door to so many potential, you know, stories and characters and everything. I am going to go with a recent one, Phase Four, Spider-Man: No Way Home, Andrew freaking Garfield. I am going to go with our first big multiversal shocker in the MCU. You know, I thought about going Doc Ock or Green Goblin, but the thing was, we knew that those were confirmed for a good few months before they came out. They were in the trailers, and you know, we even as great as they were in the movie. We kind of knew about him, but we had only heard rumors about Garfield. He had been denying it for a year, and he, I think, really opened the door to the fact that, like Tom Holland's Peter Parker said, the multiverse is real, and it got so real when Andrew Garfield came up on that screen. I've always been kind of a Tobey Maguire guy. Personally, that's who I grew up with uh, in the first Spider-Man trilogy, but Garfield absolutely stole the show. His best performance, I think, as Spider-Man, even besides his two in the Amazing Spider-Man movies. So I'm going to go Garfield, Phase 4, No Way Home. Ah, oh, God. It's it's one of those things where Richard here is teetering the line of, you know, this draft, right? It's I agree. Not <laughs> It's not Andrew Garfield's debut, but if we're is looking at the fine line... <laughs> It is MCU. his MCU debut. Bastard. God, Richard, you're the worst. Um, but I mean, I'll be honest. What's what's I what's ironic about this is that we have two Spider-Men, right? Which is just classic. In the guys, first right? round. In right. the first round. He's the best. Spider-Man's just the best, right, guys? We can all agree. Um, Agreed. He's the reason we do all this. Anyway, it is an amazing day. Like, literally, for like the fact that like the draft itself, a debut. Like, it is an incredible debut that is also, I think. When we think of with roasted glasses, I know I do, right? Because of opening night, he jumps. You see the figure in the back. I'll never forget. You see the figure in the background. I didn't recognize it. Got my friend, people next to me stands up. People in front of me standing <laughs> up, and I'm like, "What are they doing?" And all of a sudden, you see the big eyes, 
pops out and just pandemonium on um, theaters across the world. Yeah. So yeah, it's a phenomenal pick and a very like emotional pick and just like a, a core memory of mine now. So good one, Richard. Just a little draft analysis here. I think he could have got it in the last round. There's already a Peter Parker off the board. It is an unconditional mm. pick. I think you could have saved your money a little bit here and uh, yeah. got it in a later round. But that being said, as a graphic guy, and you know I like playing the graphic, <laughs> you're going to have right. Andrew Garfield on the top row of your team. In it's going to look real good. So I feel like he deserved a top pick. It's going to look real good. Sure. Sure. So I good understand right. that. I understand that. But um, it's an interesting pick. It wasn't on my list. So that's my only critique. Is Fair that, enough. You know, and it's not just the moment. It's his role throughout the movie, which shocked and awed all of us. I th- I I just wanted to say, Richard, I thought you were going in a different direction, and Me I'm going to try and, and with, withhold what I think you were going to do. You okay. have just opened, you have blasted this draft wide open because <laughs> anybody can pick anybody at this point. I thought we were going to really hone in on a few <laughs> on a few characters, okay, and my right. picks my picks are not safe. My picks all are right. not safe. This, this chaotic <laughs> energy coming over for Chaos. 15 minutes. Of that is how the machine do. Yeah, just saying. It we'll is, see. it is. We'll see. You know what I mean? Let's see how this draft plays out because Richard's got another pick here. You know what Uh-oh. I mean? That's the big thing. Round two, Nevins. Who we got? You already got your phase four off the board. Phase four is off the board. I'm debating between a couple because phase two and three both have a couple of really, really great ones. Um, I'm not sure if this one is going to stay on the board considering the group we have here. So, I, I'm actually I'm switching my pick off at the last minute. I am going to go going down to phase three, similar to what David was thinking. I'm going to go that same movie, The Black Panther. Yeah. Damn it! Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dang it! So it's just close. <laughs> that close. That uh, close. Graphics looking really good. <laughs> sounds like sounds like Ethan Ethan stole a pick from me, and I'm going to steal a pick from Ethan. But uh, no, The Black Panther in Civil War was absolutely incredible. And it's so different from Spider-Man because Spider-Man, everybody knows Spider-Man. You grew up, you pretty much come out of the womb knowing about Spider-Man and what he's all about, even without the movies, without anything. Black Panther was a little bit more of an unknown. I mean, he's been famous famous in the comics for a long time. We knew that Chadwick Boseman was going to play him thanks to that Phase 3 announcement. I think it was in 2014, if I'm not mistaken. 2014 Comic-Con, yeah. Great in cartoons. Black Panther. El Capitan Theater, actually, mm-hmm. um, when they oh. announced all of Phase Three, nice. but um, but no, and then and his performance as both T'Challa and the Black Panther, that first scene where he's fighting Bucky, you know, this dude means business, and um, and I mean, it's even more impactful now. I mean, obviously, R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman, that dude did that entire movie with freaking cancer. And I mean, he put a hell of a performance into it. The character debut itself was incredible. And you knew the Black Panther was going to be a formidable figure for a long time. Thanks to Captain America Civil War. I couldn't agree more. I'm going to take this one. I think that um, they did so much with that character right away because you're right. You know, Spider-Man had to flip on screen and hold a shield and it was going to be the greatest moment in Spider-Man history. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Spider-Man holding Captain America's shield. That's all they needed. Black Panther, we needed something more. We needed something with a little more depth. We met T'Challa before we met the Black Panther. I think that's something very important with that debut. Um, But to give him a death scene in his first appearance in the MCU, it's such an impactful way to make us give a shit 
right away. We don't know who these guys are. We don't know who just died or why or, you know, what their relationship really was like. We'll find out in the next movie. It was more complicated maybe than we thought. But I think that to give him that death scene right away and then follow it up with just some great action and just good visuals. And, you know, the the early suit is not my favorite, but, you know, it, it, it has a role in the MCU. And I think it's a good pick. And again, graphic wise, you got Andrew Garfield and Chadwick Boseman back to back. It's going to be tough to beat, not going to lie, from a visual standpoint. But <laughs> I got Tony Stark up front, so I think I got that going for me, which is <laughs> nice. Um, little Caddyshack quote right in the middle of the draft. You know, you never know. Uh, Ethan, uh, second round. Here you go. Uh, you got a while before you pick again. Something you got to think about here. Phase one off the board. Where are we going? This is tough. This is tough. Uh, and as you all know, the case with drafts, right? Do you... Do you go with what you believe is the best debut or do you try to play to the fans? Do you try to play to the polls and the votes and do you try to to garner the visuals, Matt, as <laughs> you know, hard, hard, hard to beat a visual. Um, so this is what's going through my head. Um, so <laughs> I don't think I'm going where any of you plan on going. I I mean, I, I don't know. We will see. I think phase two has some good options, but I think phase two when one or two options are gone, I think you're diving pretty deep. I think that, um, especially from a fan perspective. So I'm going to stick to phase two and I'm, I'm caught between two schools of thought here. I won't reveal one in case it does get drafted later on. Um, I appreciate but that. I will, I will go with my, my gut here is to go with uh, star Lord, his introduction mm-hmm. in guardians of the galaxy, mm-hmm. I think is, um, not necessarily one of the most iconic, but definitely one of the uh, most fun or most energetic uh, debuts that we've had in the MCU. Him dancing, right, to come and get your love. That's our first introduction to that style of movie going, um, especially in the MCU. We get a lot of really good Star-Lord one-liners pretty much out of the gate. We get to understand his personality very, very quickly. And um, included in this debut, I, I feel like it's included, is you know you get that kind of like, pre like prequel scene of him with his mother and and on everything that happened to him as a child right so you automatically connect with this character and you understand how important he is to the universe um and and i i i think star lord is pretty good debut when you talk about the mcu it's no black panther but it's it's (laughs) no (laughs) nevin's star lord come and get your love what do we think it definitely would have been on my list if it didn't get picked um, I was hoping to get it, you know, when I came back around for the turn, but I can't argue. It's one of my favorite scenes in the MCU. Actually, honestly, it's probably one of my favorite character introductions. Um, you know, I don't know if we've revealed this publicly what Matt did with it, but uh, we know how much that means to Matt and all of us who are Guardians fans. Chris Pratt absolutely stole the freaking show. Um, it, I mean, I love that song before the MCU, but. It's so much more special now, thanks to Guardians of the Galaxy. That's a great scene. Yep. And, you know, obviously, this is my number one movie. So, you know, you walk it down the rest of the movie, his entire debut throughout the entire film, I think is super impactful. Not a second round pick for me personally, but um, uh, David, I'm waiting with bated breath because I'm very excited to see what options I have in turn. So your second round pick. I'll be honest. I'm I'm going to be so upset. I don't I don't think so. I really don't think so. I have a few. I'm trying to think strategically. I'll be honest. I'm trying to think about what's going off the board, where we're at. We got two on phase one out. Uh, you know who I have ahead of me coming back. I'm going to go phase four. And oh. to a similar vein with Richard, I'm going to go with Matt Murdock. Oh, oh wow. Going with Daredevil. Oh, um, it's a secret pick. 
I, I think that uh, once again plays the graphic great one. Uh, two, I, I think that Matt Murdock's literal like once again, No Way Home nailed it. Uh, the debut, the walking stick, boom, and then there he is. Like once again, the one of those pandemonium moments. Yeah. Um, I think it was a wonderful debut and a reintroduce reintroduction to this character. Now entering his own MCU season one, Daredevil Reborn. Like I, I genuinely think that this. We talked about it earlier where the impact of a Tony Stark in Iron Man 1, uh, Peter Parker in Civil War, even Star-Lord Guardians, like this could be the beginning, even though it's a weird it's a weird introduction because he already had a Netflix show. But this could be the beginning, Charlie Cox's journey in the MCU as a really pivotal one going forward in his show and maybe the Avengers. Um, so I am sticking to it. Matt Murdock. No way home. That's my second round pick. Ethan, the man without fear here in the second round. Thoughts on the second No Way Home pick off the board? I think I think Dave's right. It's going to play to the graphic great. You got a you got a large Daredevil fan base out there, and everybody knows this. Um, it was not on my short list by any means. I'm still very confused personally on where I stand with his introduction to the MCU. Very important, very cool, very awesome in all aspects. Pretty shoehorned into the movie, uh, in my For opinion. Sure. Maybe not necessarily needed at that stage. But when you think about a future pick like this, I think I think Daredevil, you you come back to this draft in three years, and then you say, yeah, that, that was the right pick. All I'll say yeah. is I did I did not see that coming. And I, I did not I did not actually beat it as a pun. This guy. <laughs> Can I tell you why I didn't see it coming? Okay. So I had it wasn't on my short list either. It's great beat I either. Mean, you great know, pick. awesome moment. I obviously thought about it, but um, you know, kind of cheating again. But um <laughs> Uh, Whoa, Richard opened up that multiverse. Yep. 100%. No, no, no. Seriously. Garfield <laughs> goes off. Daredevil goes up the board. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. That, yep. That's a yep. real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I'm shocked, the reason I'm surprised, I didn't want the number one overall pick because I felt like I had to take Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. And that meant I couldn't take this guy because I thought this guy would be the number two pick. I thought this guy would be a first rounder. Mm-hmm. I am shocked that this isn't the first you know, short debut off the board. You know, I figured, you know, the first round would be consistent of people who had entire movies of a debut. Mm. And so far, guys, I'm the only one that's taken Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I'm shocked by that. I really am. You know, there's a lot of, you know, debuts on the board here. So, um, but uh, you know what? On the other hand, I also think that having somebody debut in somebody else's project is a little more impactful, a little more efficient. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you which one of those roles is the most impactful and the most efficient. It's phase four. It's Kang. Damn it. Oh, I thought I could pick it up on the turn. I thought I could wait. I am blown away that this is here. Oh, my God. This was a locked in first rounder in my book. I will see you guys next pod. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Ethan has left the building. I am. I'm livid. I am just absolutely stunned. This was a moment guys when jonathan majors introduced himself to the world as kang it was just a dialogue it was just a a monologue excuse me of just uh, this is how terrifying i am and guys we're all genuinely scared and there's going to be two movies about it you know it's three if you want to count quantumania so to, to have tony stark and kang on my team absolutely blown away um you know free for all anybody have thoughts uh why why did nobody pick kang i messed up uh, I admit it. I, I did not. It went over my head because <laughs> I had Me several too. phase four picks on here, mainly heroes. Sure. Mm-hmm. For some reason, 
my There's peanut brain <laughs> did not exactly like I I mean phase four I have almost like the longest list I'll be honest um and I went Matt Murdoch because I got excited about that I got a little giddy after the Andrew Garfield mm-hmm. pick I'll be honest <laughs> wanted to go with no way home pick but God Kang I I missed Kang and I I feel bad for Ethan because he was he was prepping but I yeah. I just blew it on that so yeah it I'm was so it was my so next- mad. It was my next pick, right? So, so mad I didn't even think about Kang. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I was, I was totally going to take it on the next, on the next pick, Matt. So well done, congratulations to you. You took it from me. Uh, listeners of my podcast know how how much of an avid fan I am of Jonathan Majors being in the MCU and he who remains in the potential that we see. And I firmly do believe that episode six of Loki is. Uh, one of, if not the single best episodes of MCU television that we have had to date. I think it is phenomenal. His ability to deliver that monologue with such just like fearsome energy is wild to me. I just truthfully, I I thought people were going to, you know, I thought people were just going bigger names at first. I, I think he who remains and, and King, I, I think they are just still an unknown property in the MCU. Right. So I don't think they come to people's minds first off. I thought I could snag it in round three and four and you, you do to me, man. You got me good. <laughs> I appreciate that. And I appreciate the reaction. And honestly, I'm kind of upset because there's now three phase four members off the board. That means that there's going to be at least two character, uh, two characters that don't get drafted that I'm blown away. Weren't thought of over Murdoch and Garfield, but you know, debuts are debuts for different reasons. You know what I mean? So yeah. um, I'm going to swing around here to the third round. Um if phase one's not the thinnest category, I think phase two is. I have a phase three pick that's a little um, out of the box, you know, a little personal pick for me. So I'm going to save that for the last round. I'm going to go back to phase two. I'm going to take my number one in phase two. It's Sam Wilson cool. in Captain America, the Great winner. Deck. Soldier, uh, Anthony Mackie, I think, has just such a charisma to him. Um, obviously, on your left, one of the greatest lines in uh blockbuster history you know i'm, I'm not even going to limit it to comic book movies blockbuster history on your left was born with sam wilson's debut in Winter soldier and throughout that movie you know i thought you said you were a pilot never said that <laughs> never said that not one time um so i think you know just that whole it, it really was a very comic booky moment when he flies up um you know with the wings for the first time and like oh my god it's falcon you know like, like it's a very comic book crossover that they did there with Winter Soldier, so I am taking uh, in Phase Two Sam Wilson from Captain America: the Winter Soldier. Uh, uh, Richard, thoughts on the future Captain America in his roots in his early days over there in Phase Two? He was absolutely on my list. I I definitely would have considered him if he had come come back to me. Didn't think he was going to. It didn't. Um, he's great. Um, he really really makes that movie part of. He's part of what makes that movie so great, and mm-hmm. especially that opening scene. I mean, on your left, it's it came in there and it came in when portals came in in inarguably the biggest moment in mcu history to mm-hmm. date portals um i think he's done an incredible job ever since then and i cannot wait to see you know what he does in captain america new world order from there i like what you said there about how he makes that movie so great and i just want to point out like he i don't think he's like one of the first three best things about that movie you know what i mean Agreed. Like, yeah, he's low, lower on the list of like if I was ranking things I like about Winter Soldier, Falcon's lower on that list. It mm-hmm. speaks to the floor of that movie. Yes. You know, yeah. Falcon is one of the weaker parts of the movie, and he's this good. That's how good that movie is. And mm-hmm. I think that 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 is an important piece to that puzzle that makes that movie you know a perennial top six movie after No Way Home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it it it's an easy top six across the board. So, um, 
Yeah, Sam Wilson, Winter Soldier, pretty excited about it. David, third round. Here yeah. we go. You um you need you need a phase two and a phase one early days. Yeah, I got, the, I got the early Got the early days here. Um, and I am so I have like four picks here between the two that I could kind of go with. So I'm gonna be happy with whatever I get. Going for the graphic. Go for it. Cool. All right. Baby Groot in Guardians One. That was my pick. Phase three pick. Right. (laughs) Nice. Fuck. Yep. (laughs) Well, no. So mine's phase two, though. Like at the Mm, at the end, that was not his debut. I would have called you. You would have been exiled, buddy. (laughs) That was not me. Not picking him there. All right. Good for me. Yeah. So I saved you. Guardians one post credit scene. Absolutely right. Go ahead. Yeah. Yep. I want you back. Jackson five, baby. We got Drax back there, like looking at him and he's doing his little dance. It's an awesome little moment. It's when he, it's like the little teapot Groot. I guess we want to call him like it's the rich, it's the yeah. debut origin of day of, of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, of, for the listeners at home, <laughs> Matt just impersonated exactly what it was like where he freezes and then starts dancing. It's awesome. Baby Groot. Oh, amazing. Um, and I'll be honest, like this is more of a marketing merchandise sure. uh, impact, but this is the beginning of the baby group phase before baby Yoda, right? There was baby Groot and everyone freaked out mm-hmm. over this little, little twig <laughs> dancing around <laughs> all the toys, all the stuffed animals, all the merchandise, baby Groot at the end of Guardians one after OG Groot uh, passes. That's my pick. Lock it in phase two. Let's go. Hand up on me. I was going to draft Baby Groot Guardians 2. Straight up and down. Not even realizing he was in the post-credits scene. So that's on me. You know, I don't even know the post-credits for my favorite movie. Uh, you know, I think it's a good pick. Um, I will say, man, it'd be cooler if you got the opening scene to Guardians 2, right? Because, like, that's <laughs> that's Baby Groot. It is yeah. full. That's, uh, yeah. But uh, that's you're true. right. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a different kind of debut, but I think it's a really good debut. Um, only the second character debut actually not really because he's not even in the entire movie i'm getting off rails ethan your third round pick please uh okay so i've picked phase one and two in order so far so i've got three and four to go um now four obviously has some of the 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 greatest like swath of choices that we we can see um and I think there's a lot of good things out there. Obviously, Kang was my pick, so I'm a little frantic right now. I don't really know what I'm doing for phase four. So I'm gonna vamp. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with phase three to buy myself another turn here wow. and, and try to get something from phase four. I think Dude, there are you two really ones. you really messed me up. I, but I think there's so many. I, I yeah. think that that it's a, it's a safe bet. Phase four is a safe bet. So I'm yeah. actually gonna go, I'm actually gonna go with uh phase three. I'm gonna go with Thor Ragnarok and I'm gonna go with Hella. Hella's introduction okay. into mm, the MCU. Okay. Wow! I think right. I think you could make an argument that it is um, exceptionally powerful and 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 damn right frightening. The first time we see her is immediately after Odin's passing. Right, we have this very emotional scene with Loki and Thor and coming together as a family and understanding what it means to be family. And then all of a sudden, their family is is disbanded. They have a sister that they don't know about, and she breaks Molnir like right then and there, and and just says like, "Look, I'm better than all of you." And <laughs> and and I think Thor Ragnarok has its storyline problems with Hela for sure, but I think her introduction is something that is mad underrated. And I hope that that listeners and people that see the graphic, I hope they can understand where I'm coming from. I think it is a very good debut for her. 
I like the word mad to describe something as, you know, like substantial. I think that's an awesome way to talk. And I haven't heard that in a long time. So I just I do want to shout you out there for your vocabulary. David, I agree with Ethan that I think Hella has a great role in that movie. I think, yes, you know, the the fragility of, oh, by the way, you have a sister. You know, that's not awesome. You know, the setup to the character isn't great, but I like the character. Why do people not like Hella? I don't know. Um, I don't think she is a terrible villain by any means, but I do think she just becomes forgettable within the realm of Ragnarok. Like you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. Sam Wilson being like, oh, that represents the floor because he's great. And it's not one of the top three things I love about Winter Soldier. Same idea with Ragnarok and Hela to me, right? Where for yeah. Ragnarok, Hela's fine. I think she's a good villain, actually works well in the context of the story. Is she one of the top three, top five things I love about the movie? Not really, right? Not the thing that I'm going home about telling, oh my gosh, the villain was so great. Not really, right? I'm going to talk about other elements of Ragnarok. So it's the same idea for me. Um, great, Good pick, though. I do think there's a little bit of uh, Ethan like, man, ah, I wanted a villain so bad. I still want to get a villain. I'm a little panicky. I'm not going to lie. It does feel a little, a little bit. Look, no. So Hella was on my short list for sure. I think, I think if you raise a really interesting topic, and I just have like two seconds to speak on that, like I think... What makes Thor Ragnarok so good is the tone, right? Is the tone that we got from Taika was something brand new to the universe. But wait, what makes Thor Ragnarok so un- so forgettable, so bad, quote unquote, is the tone. It's the same thing we experienced with Thor Love and Thunder. Why is Hella forgettable? Because the tone is so heavily focused on Thor and his jokes and Korg mm-hmm. and Meek and that whole realm of things that Hella and Kate Blanchett, Oscar winning Kate Blanchett, that is, is going to win an Oscar this year for Tar is is forgettable and it's it's really a travesty for her character which i which then make the argument of you know her being underrated i think she just doesn't fit in the mold not quite like as you know as intensely as gore doesn't fit into love and thunder but along the same lines as that um but i think hell is yeah. a great villain i think i think I, people need to respect her i agree i agree with the underrated take that's something we should definitely talk about someday it's just underrated villains um nevins is there anything cooler than a necro sword uh, it's debatable. There, it's tough, it is right? very much close to the top of the list for sure. No, and, and I turn here third four. Where are yeah. we going? I oh, and just close enough on the Hella thing. I really enjoyed Hella, but I think I think I do agree with you guys is that very underrated villain. Um, for my next pick, I got Phase One and Phase Two. I got to get to um, early days. Early days. Early days. Um, I know where I'm going for my phase one pick for sure. So I'm going to save that for my last round. Um, I am really torn between two and I'll save that for the honorable mentions, but I think I am going to go. I'm going to think I'm going to go. What's going to play really well on the visuals. And I am going to go phase two Avengers age of Ultron vision. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. I think. It, at least visually, that is one of the coolest intro scenes that we have in the MCU to date. Yeah. It reimagines a character that we have known since Iron Man with Jarvis, and it introduces somebody totally new with Paul Bettany as Vision. And then at the very end of that scene, kind of like how I did with my Black Panther pick for Phase 3, you know Vision's legit. You know, the, the second he just casually picks mm-hmm. up Mjolnir, it's like, but we need to go. And then you get that like 20 seconds of sounds where everybody's just like, what? The <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> it's really awesome. awesome. And I just love Vision in that movie. And I think even though Ultron is maybe a forgettable movie for a lot of people, Vision makes it memorable. And I, so I'm going to go Vision for phase two. Couldn't agree more. Ethan, uh, the old Viz. 
Mindstone ends up becoming Vision. Tony and Bruce end up becoming Vision. Ultron becomes Vision. Mjolnir, right. Thor, all of it. It's a cocktail of awesome. Thoughts? I think it's the introduction to one of the... No, I think it's the introduction to the single most important storyline of the Infinity Saga, and that is with, with the Mindstone, right? And and the relationship we get with Wanda and Vision and everything that takes place in Infinity War and Endgame with that and moving forward into WandaVision, I think is... is um, unattainable if you don't have a very powerful debut and introduction from Vision himself. And that is exactly what we get. We're introduced to somebody brand spanking new and it is really an awe and shock, especially, you know, to the Avengers, but to us, the audience, to say like, this guy can maybe just like do anything mm -hmm. he wants. Um, so like, what is going to happen? I think that kind of breaks open the mold and the gates a little bit. And it's a great pick. Stretching out his debut to the final scene of Age of Ultron, his speech with the last Ultron bot, one of the best yes. monologues in Cinema. the MCU, um, if not the best, if I'm being completely honest, um, other than my second round pick of Kang, of course. Um, Nevin's uh, <laughs> <laughs> still a shock, guys, but the face yeah. characters that will not be drafted today. Um, yeah, Nevin's your last round, you're, go you're going to phase one, right? Yep, I gotta go phase one. I went four, three, two, one. And, um, Can I tell you something real quick as I kind of moderate this draft? Go for it. There's a certain pick here that if you don't pick, I'm going to be floored. Well, <laughs> you're actually you're actually going to be my inspiration for this pick. Things off with with Tony Stark, and I got to go the other end of that equation with none other than Steve Rogers. I think I got to go Captain America, the first mm. Avenger. Mm. I think by the year, Captain America, the first Avenger becomes more underrated to me, yes. honestly. It might be the most underrated movie in MCU history because it is a really, a really thing. good movie for what it is, for what it has to do in phase one. And honestly, the story it kind of had to tell, it had to be from that era telling Captain America's origin story. And to me, it's always been a toss up. I think Spider-Man, the Spider-Man trilogy has taken over for the best trilogy for me. But Captain America is a clear second just because it has two yes. of my top five MCU movies. And unfortunately, neither of them are the first Avenger. But I gotta go Chris Evans, Steve Rogers in First Avenger. The way you start off with Skinny Steve and you get the character first before he becomes, you know, abs and Captain America. Um, I absolutely love how they introduced him in that movie. Um, and an underrated CGI too on Skinny Steve. I, I think that CGI. I think we might have missed that in our CGI draft. Um, it was the and, first one for honorable mentions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think that is such an underrated moment in MCU history, an underrated debut. And I'm really happy to have Steve Rogers on my team, honestly. I appreciate that. And I respect that. Um, not the pick I thought you were going for. <laughs> Consider me floored, I guess. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sprinting to honorable Consistently. mentions. Consistently. I'm shocked. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, Ethan. Last round, what phase do you need, bub? Uh, all right, I need phase four, which is okay. ar arguably one of the one of the biggest phases and the most choices here. And I'm struggling the most to find who my pick <laughs> is going to be. Um, we're doing honorable mentions after this, right? So yeah. I gotta say, okay, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yes, wonderful. Um, <laughs> loud one. Okay, great. Um, so like I said, there's there's a ton of people to pick. I think there's a lot of underrated picks in here too that n might not necessarily play well to the graphic, but are worth like mentioning. We'll get sure. to them. I am going with. I'm going with Moon Knight. I'm going with Oscar Whoa. Isaac 
as as Mark Spector, Stephen Grant, and Jake Lockley. The fact that you can have three characters in one has never been done before in the MCU. The fact that it's Oscar fucking Isaac, kind of a big deal. Um, Him getting his own show. (laughs) I think the show does have problems. I don't think it is a a wonderful show. It's not exactly what a lot of people envisioned, uh, myself included. But I think it is a really fun character and a really great kind of first go at a character like that in the MCU. The direct podcast had two co-rookies of the year in 2021. Neither of them will be drafted in the MCU debuts draft. Nope. Consider me shocked. David, your thoughts on Moon Knight here as Ethan's fourth round pick. And then I would like your fourth round pick. Yeah, sure. Uh, So let's get this thing wrapping up here. Uh, David's shirt, by the way. Wonderful. (laughs) My shirt? Yes. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. It's all pretty great. Yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely good. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will say, man, the phase four on roll mentions are going to be something else. Um, right. Moon Knight, I love the pick. I think I'm right there with you where it's like Oscar Isaac. Like he is in the MCU. That is a big deal. I'm right there with you. My selection, I'm at phase one. Um, I'll be honest, Steve Rogers wasn't on my short list. Now I have to decide. Um, it, it's a decision that I have three I'm looking at that I all liked a lot of. Uh, we've got Matt ready to combust. If I don't go to be it. just shocked if this character <laughs> doesn't get picked out of phase one. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm curious where your head's at because I, I am so. Right now, by the way, what's that? Yeah, you, <laughs> you're owning this right draft. <laughs> I'm going with Black Widow. Thank you. Nice. I'm going with Natalie. Good I'm going. I'm going with it. Way too long. Yep. Yep. I had to do it. Going with Nat. Yes. Scarlett Johansson. This is a debut. Like this Mm -hmm. to me is a debut. Like like when I think about this draft, obviously I had my first three rounds, but it's like someone who this wasn't the rules, right? We could do our own origin stories as well. Mm -hmm. But God, her introduction to the MCU. She's just this like you know she's obviously beautiful uh stunning the jokes with that you know we have the the boxing scene with her and happy um and then but when we get to when she is truly the black widow that fighting action scene one of the best black widow action scenes ever right like i honestly maybe the best is 2010 iron man 2 top five for sure it is Mm -hmm. like all it's just her going hallway scenes man Hallway scenes, hallways, staircases, Statue of Liberty, man. Can't go wrong with it. It's just, um, I think it's a great, I think it's it's a great intro. And I have all three of those things with characters involved, by the way. Um, I love, I love the uh, introduction here. Um, And it's an early on selection, right? She is an OG. Like, I'm not going to put Hawkeye on this list because his debut kind of sucked comparatively. Right, yeah, because he obviously sucks present tense, but I think past tense there was like a little (laughs) debut was not great. Avengers was really his debut. Like Black Widow actually had a character in this movie and ends being ends up being super badass and setting up the future. Um, Mm -hmm. Steve Coulson's there, of course, but yeah, that is it. That is the draft. Well, wait, we have one more. Thanks. Yeah, I understand that. You know, (laughs) like I I feel like I'm gonna win it anyway, right? I I gotta just punt this pick, right? Coming in Um, hot. No, but I'm going to be honest. Like I did have baby group penciled in for my phase three pick and, mm. and that, that would have been illegal at the time. So I, I am <laughs> tilting quite a little bit. I feel like I'm, I feel like I got a great draft here. I want to round it out with something that works here. I, I have two options in my head. I guess I could talk about them out loud, right? 
because this is yeah. the last pick. Go ahead. So between a character that has a whole movie of development, it's a great introduction to the character, yada, yada, Stephen Strange um, yeah. over there in phase three. Or I could go the more mm. Baby Groot style pick here and go Cork because like mm. – who wasn't laughing the entire time yep. every time Cork spoke? Put Love and Thunder out of your brain a little bit. He was so funny in the first one. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a really big one. But, ah, you see, yeah, we're coming off a little bit of stench from Love and Thunder. You know what I mean? It wasn't as much of a hit as Ragnarok, so I'm just going to play it safe. I think I got a great draft here. I'm going to go with Stephen Strange from Doctor Strange. This is a character that it's the – um between ant-man and dr strange um those are the only two like origin characters that weren't introduced in a previous movie in the entirety of phase two and three the next one was um shang chi so you know this is a rare air for it's you know it's tony stark it's bruce banner it's ant-man it's dr strange it's shang chi so you could argue captain marvel but i get the post-credit scene yeah yeah I, yeah that, that that's how I played it when I wrote the article, but yes, yes that, exactly. that's the, that's the closest one, right? Captain Marvel, which again, exactly. I think could have been a great pick here as well in phase three, but um, I'm going to go with Dr. Strange because I feel like the concepts they introduced in that movie changed the MCU forever. The character of Stephen Strange to be so similar to Tony Stark, but also so definably different. I think just plays really well. I enjoyed the entire performance front to back. I think this might be the movie that most focuses on the character in all of phase three. It's the most character driven mm-hmm. movie in the entirety of phase three. So I'm going to go with Stephen strange here with my last pick of the draft. Um, Ethan, yeah. Close this out here, Bob. What are your thoughts on Stephen strange? I think that's a, I think that's a great pick. Um, I, I think you, you mentioned like kind of the, the stink of Thor love and thunder a little bit. I, I get a little worried for your pick, Matt, because, you know, Multiverse of Madness was not ideal for Stephen Strange. I do, however, um, you know, appreciate the pick. And I love the fact that included in this pick, you get Mads Mikkelsen um, in in the MCU and you get the mirror dimension and you get really, really fun things. You get the ancient one, all kinds of things kind of tied to that introduction. And that's our first, you know, intro to like magic like that. So I think I think it's a great pick. Multiverse. Mm hmm. Yeah. So uh, let me recap it real quick and then we'll get to honorable mentions. Um, David, buddy, pal, friend, two Spider Man picks. I, I'm impressed. I'm impressed you that know you made me. that happen here. <laughs> and then <a> debut <laughs> draft. <laughs> uh, Peter Parker from Civil War. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm a little all over the place. Peter Parker from Civil War, Matt Murdock from No Way Home, Baby Group from Guardians One, and Natasha Romanoff from Iron Man. Two great pick there in the fourth round. Thank uh, you, thank Ethan, you. our guest, our buddy, our friend, our pal. Thank you so much for coming on. You have Nick Fury in Iron Man. You have Peter Quill in Guardians One. You have Hella from Thor Ragnarok, and you have Moon Knight from you know Moon Knight. And <laughs> am, am I the only am I the only person that picked a debut TV show? You did. Yeah, you were. I, I think you were. There were. There were one, two, three, four to choose from. If you want to count She-Hulk, jury's still out. Sure. <laughs> this <Yeah>. guy. <laughs> this fucking guy. <laughs> um, Richard, you got Peter Parker, Andrew Garfield from Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, with your first round pick, T'Challa at Civil War. Um, Vision from Age of Ultron. And Steve Rogers. Captain America the First Avenger. I walked away with Tony Stark from Iron Man, Kang from Loki, uh, Sam Wilson from The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Stephen Strange from Doctor Strange. I'm going to start the honorable mentions off because I'm pissed. Nice, <laughs> nice. I Run took it. Kang because I feel like I had to because his impact in that debut, you know what I mean? Like, 
you want to talk about like you show up, you debut, you got eight strikeouts, seven innings, you know, one walk. You just you took over the world kind of thing. Three touchdowns mm-hmm. in your first game. That's what Kang did. Yelena mm-hmm. Belova and Kate Bishop not yep. being on this draft board is yeah. wild to me. And I understand the no way home love. Don't get me wrong. I love Andrew Garfield too. I love Daredevil as well. Those two being picked over Yelena and Kate Bishop, I think is a wild choice in my opinion. David and Richard, I would love to hear your opinions on Yelena and Kate Bishop. Yeah, it's actually, well, I'll, I'll we'll, we'll, you know, as we're wrapping up here, I'll throw out a couple more for phase four. Cause for there's sure. like no, so no, no. Many- I just, wanna, just real quick. I feel like those are two big omissions. Yeah, definitely big omissions. I don't know. I, I just feel like Matt Murdoch for my selection is like a pop. And I, and by the way, like I've mentioned this, Matt, I love Daredevil, the Netflix show. Like so, I love sorry. Charlie Cox in this role. Yeah. So that gets my blood pumping a little bit more than those two, even you. though I love them. Right. <laughs> like it, it, it's just one of those things. So that, I guess that's my take, like clear honorable mention, like phase four to me, I don't know about you guys, like phase three actually had my shortest list. Okay. Phase four had my longest list. Like Me there were so many I could go through, through there. And for my selection, it was like, what, what's going to pop to me? Like what was kind of a popping moment where those two I knew were coming. I mean, I kind of knew about this was happening as well, but it was just different feeling, different sense, but totally deserved to be on the, in the draft. It just didn't, didn't quite happen today. Cause there's only so many of us. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I think. Yelena and Kate Bishop are two of my favorite phase four characters. I absolutely love them. I I think I would actually almost pick them as characters so far over Garfield and Daredevil. I just think their debuts just shocked the world. I think they were just so impactful in no way home that I think that gives them a slight edge for me, but I absolutely love Yelena and Kate Bishop. Yelena being so new and already having two appearances as well. Yes, um, agreed. I think something. The other, the only other one I have is Shang Chi. You know, I, think I, I, I had Shang Chi on my list. Did we mention Kamala Khan? Huh? Yes, Kamala Khan was all Kamala for I sure. Was give, uh, uh, David, what other honorable mentions? Oh, sorry. I also no, I had it. I had a little like cheat one. I had Mighty Thor on my list. Just if I wanted, to, <laughs> if I wanted to have a little fun, you know, if I wanted a little, to poke, little poke that little bear video. a little, a little chaos. <laughs> yeah, just, just a little chaos. chaos head, yeah. yeah, that was I, I had a smirk on my face when I wrote that one down. <laughs> um, the one that I almost went with besides baby Groot and was Wanda and Pietro in yeah. winter soldier that okay. me, I would have let you take them as a duo. Yeah. I was going to see if that, yeah, that could, that could have been a thing. Cause I mean that just visually that scene, it's, it's just the two of them. Um, mm-hmm. that was my big one at the very all-time end, favorite post credit scene. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. The age of miracles. It's a great one. And then, uh, finally for phase one, I was between Black Widow, who I went with because I think she had the once again the biggest pop debut, second biggest pop debut on here that I had remaining. Thanos, end of yeah. Avengers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that just a little turn that would have been the next shortest, um, mm-hmm. behind Nick Fury, and then Thor. I was actually surprised that Richard went with Captain America, not Thor, because Thor's literal debut in the movie is awesome he like yes he struts in with his crown and the and mjolnir and he's all fired up I and mean, there's there's kid version of thor but really like hemsworth as the character he's super cocky super arrogant um it's a great little moment like say what you will about the actual movie but as a debut moment i enjoyed that as well so those are my honorable mentions uh, i'm sure there's others out there as well floating around richard 
I was debating between Thor and Captain America. Mm. I love both, uh, but Thor was unquestionably on my list. Um, you guys, uh, somebody stole Strange from me. I was going to grab Strange if I if I still had him on the board. Um, Ant Man, Ant Man is another one that I really really enjoyed. Him getting the crap beat out of him in prison, and then going straight from him to the driving with Louise, and then the Basket Robbins thing. It was it was quint- <laughs> quintessential Paul Rudd. And I absolutely love that. Shang-Chi was on my list. One other yeah. one that I will mention, Icarus in Eternals. Say what you want about Eternals. Icarus came in with a freaking bang. Like, yeah. I mean, kind of like the MCU's version of Superman so far, but I really enjoyed it. And then that made the twist at the end uh, a little bit more fun, too. So it's the best justice movie they'll ever make. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> um, Ethan, do we take all of them or is there any left on your list? Now, I, I got a handful I'll run through really, really quickly. Um, in your vein, Richard, for Eternals, I had Druig actually on my sure. short list. Mm, I think one. he's really important to the MCU, and his introduction is pretty powerful and spooky. Um, especially was very eerie. Which yes. I very eerie, especially in terms of like the Eternals and what we were doing. Um, Ultron was my next pick for Phase 2 between Star-Lord and Ultron. I think that would have been worth it. Um, Kingpin. Nobody pick, picked Kingpin uh, from, from Hawkeye. So um, Agatha Harkness, I think, also deserves a shout. She's obviously getting her own show. And then mm-hmm. my deepest cut that, that would have just, I don't think would have played to the visual quite well, but I do think is a really badass introduction is actually Scarlet Scarab from Moon Knight. She is introduced as Scarlet Scarab and, and like that hard line between May Callumway and Scarlet Scarab. And she immediately becomes this hero that kicks ass and helps Moon Knight um and yeah. and it's a very very cool scene so i think she is a really cool introduction um can i ask one clarifying question before we wrap this up because i i had a pick i just didn't know if it was if anybody was going to try to pick it um and i didn't i didn't necessarily want it it's a phase one pick i would i had stan lee on my short list would that have been approved <laughs> that Did would you? have been an awesome pick because i would have loved i, I would have loved the, the same character but so it's, what is the what is what is the scene in uh iron man is it hef yeah, he's, her, yeah, so he's half, and he's wearing his yeah. robe, and he's smoking a cigar, hanging out with some beautiful women, and yeah, I would, I would have Isn't respected he Larry that. Larry King in the next one, pretty good. He yeah. is Larry King in the pretty next good. one. <laughs> worth yeah, worth the shout, been, worth the shout. I liked it. Worth uh, the Happy shout. Hogan could have been another one. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, ten MCU appearances later. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been our MCU debuts draft. Nevins, thank you so much for joining us. Ethan, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, find me at 15 minute Marvel. If you want more Marvel podcast content at 24 minutes of a 24 on Twitter and Instagram for both of these. Um, if you're looking for more cinema, more a 24 content, wonderful movie studio that makes incredible movies. Um, and then, uh, follow me on TikTok at Ethan Simi. I'm talking movies every day on TikTok. Ethan, which a 24 you most excited about in the near future? The whale, obviously no oh, questions. Yeah. He's back. Yeah, Frazier. He's back, baby. Awesome. I just watched Thank The Mummy guys. yesterday, and that's going to be awesome seeing you him You watched The Mummy yesterday? Oh, let's go. Good for you. It was on TV. What? It was on Good TV. Oh, uh, it was on cable. Yeah. Classic, <laughs> classic TNT play right there. Oh, it's yep. an all-time <laughs> TNT movie. Thank you guys yep. so much. We'll see you next time. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for the direct podcast we had an andor primer we reviewed she hawk we drafted mcu debuts and now it is time for the iron brand ladies and gentlemen game of thrones house of the dragon episode four david holy shit (laughs) this show man oh my gosh (laughs) this show i mean this was quite the emotional journey and just a weird 
very weird episode <laughs> um, complex <laughs> definitely complex um i liked where it went obviously in regards to like everything with Rhaenyra, like such a interesting journey she goes on um it makes you a little uncomfortable here and there but uh man this show i'm so invested in it um we're now what was that episode four um so we're going into entering close to the back half about the halfway point this one's 10 episodes flat um which is very exciting for me because we're kind of we're getting into the meat of it um the, the time just keeps moving so quickly uh the fact that we already had Viserys you know remove the auto as the hand in episode four that felt like a season like two thing right like at least in my head as like a Game of Thrones fan of like how things are normally paced nope we're getting to it now, right? And hey, just some hey. very interesting... Um, what a moment. What'd you say? What a moment. Yeah, great moment. And, and uh, it was interesting the way Otto took it. Um, like not... He wasn't throwing a fit, kind of just accepting it. I, I did just want to mention that the show does such a great job of making us feel invested in these characters that we don't even know much about and time goes by and we're still just like okay what's happening come catch me up uh let's see what this is let's see what that is um the politics game is off the charts um i mean even specifically when we get to the end like why Otto is removed as the hand is because renera is trying to, is basically making a deal um because speaking of politics perception is everything um and and they and they and someone you know, then that's a whole other rabbit hole. But, you know, someone sees her out at the whorehouse or whatever you want to call it. And now it's a matter of, OK, well, you're going to marry the Valerian kid <laughs> because you have to now. Um, but then she has her own kind of uh, I don't know. She has her own requests as well. And it's just it's it's the game. We're back in the game. The it game. is the game of thrones. Like, I know it's called House of the Dragon, but it is genuinely by definition the game of thrones in this show yeah and i think that this is just this episode specifically is just such a showcase of the benefits of having your characters be so unbelievably well done in a show the characters of this show are elite level stuff because of how complex everything is getting but we're all so invested that you know they're able to get that complex like they are challenging the audience with like who's on whose side and what's the deal and you know how do i need to feel about all this like this is they're not holding your hand at all but because the characters across the board are so captivating we're we're willing to go that extra mile and follow that complexity and rewind turn on subtitles get a new rock stars video in every day and like you know we're we're do the homework because you know, when you understand the game, whoo, it's awesome. Yeah. And I, you know, I haven't rewatched Game of Thrones since the last season because who wants to do that? Me neither. Yep. Um, you know, I just man, it's like watching the uh Maguire Spider-Man trilogy. It's tough. But um <laughs> but like no. I haven't. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> and um I know there's amazing game being played throughout eight seasons of Game of Thrones. I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but off the top of my head, this is as good as the game has ever been. You know, as far as the pieces in play and who is making the decisions. How funny is it that easily the most hated person on the show is Otto Hightower, played by yep. Reese Eaton's, you know, the lizard from the Amazing Spider-Man. Dr. He's Kurt easily Connors the most himself. hated by fans. He has, in my opinion, done by far the least scummy shit out of everybody 
including everybody we're talking to. Allison married her best friend's dad. The king married his daughter's best friend. Damon, (laughs) obviously a very bad individual. Um, A wicked, twisted individual that I seem to root for whenever I get the chance. Absolutely. Keeping going down the list. Our sweet baby princess darling Starlight Rhaenyra, who everybody is just head over heels for, might be the worst person in the show. Swears on her mom. Wanted to fuck her uncle. Fuck somebody else instead. <laughs> lied on God and her mother about it. And then gaslighted her dad into firing his best friend for telling a lie, which is actually the truth. <laughs> Our sweet baby princess angel. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Millie Alcock. Gwen yeah, Stacy herself. Yeah. That's Game of Thrones. When, <laughs> when you can know that these people suck. But man, do I love them. And yep. just you said her name, Millie Alcock. What a challenge it is for this show to jump forward in years between episodes without, I mean, they, they do a good job letting us know it's been two years, it's been six months, all this different stuff. But like, what a challenging thing to have people care about these characters as we're skipping years of their lives. The only way to make that work is to have people so bought in on the main character. And Millie Alcock as Renera is a superstar in this role. And like, this is like one of those things where we know her time is limited. The rumor is that next week will be her last week um, as Rhaenyra. And I feel like once we do the time jump, we're going to stay there for a while. So this is a short role, but they knew they, they weren't going to have this actress around for very long, but they knew this chick needed to be awesome. And she has been awesome. And she has just skyrocketed for me as far as young actors. I can't wait to see do more things like her and the stranger things. Kids are on a rocket ship as far as like under 23 year old actors right now. And the euphoria people, but they're not that young. They're a little older, you know, um, you think, and at least, at least in look, you know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, that's true. (laughs) If we look older, they're not, they're Um, not like, they're all supposed to be in high school, but like, they don't quite (laughs) Jacob Elordi looks like he's older than me. So he looks like Mac Miller is who he looks like. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I just want to shout out Millie Alcock. David, one more thing I wanted to say about this episode. My mm-hmm. favorite costume episode so far. Everybody's costumes across the board. Mm-hmm. Renera at the beginning has like a Doctor Strange cape with like yeah. a flower pattern in it. And it's mm-hmm. dope as hell. Um, Allison <laughs> keeps slaying with the queen gowns. Those are always sick. Um, uh, Damon shitty haircut at first with the with the sea snake armor in my opinion but he gets the black vest and the red sleeves i'm like okay that's kind of working and yeah. then the king's all blacks at the end dude yeah. holy shit the king kind of looked like a badass for a second and that's <laughs> tough because we know this guy sucks yeah um <laughs> uh so i think we got to talk about the sex scene it's it's definitely the horniest game of thrones scene of all time easily possibly yeah um and it just has so much emotional complication to it what were your thoughts during the sex scene as it transitioned you know as as it paced out yeah i mean uh slow paced but and and people have been i've noticed i've watched some videos on tiktok of like um people pointing out how there was actually apparently they had like some special coordinator or like you know sensual scene advisor (laughs) whatever that job is the director talked about how important it was to like get the sex from a woman's perspective down right which i thought was so interesting i think definitely a first bit for game of thrones where i think in game of thrones oftentimes it's been very from a man's point of view and um very just like it's always super aggressive and i think that's what was supposed to give off like for the times right of like when it sure. is 
um and just kind of uh no real like uh, not a lot of emotion half the time like i remember um john snow and um i forgot her name um like they had some good moments of like that kind of feeling and it's just such a weird like going from with damon then to the night like i was rooting for the night right it's like yeah like like and but great acting of like him very romantic him trying to like him knowing it's you know it's like the forbidden fruit right like i can't i'm I'm not supposed to do this i'm not allowed goes for it man and like i don't know who can't blame the guy (laughs) it's like can't blame her that's a good looking son of a bitch yeah like what what is he gonna do like she's like a princess queen who he's into who they actually have like a genuine connection from like yeah an actual thing and no there's no cameras there's nothing going on like no one's gonna come up to her keep so yeah i I mean it's it's in high school at your boyfriend or girlfriend's house in their bedroom and the door is shut you know what i mean you're fooling (laughs) around but like you have one eye on that door at all times and and every single person in the world knows exactly what i'm talking about it's not just an eye on the door it's an ear down the hallway (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly it's so so specifically listening for five feet outside your door yeah feeling the rumblings (laughs) waiting for that creak of the stair and all that stuff (laughs) so awesome to see that juxtaposed with the just how hot the David Rhaenyra thing was. I know it's taboo and it's weird, but it's Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? We all yeah. cheered when John and uh, Daenerys did it. We can do it here. It's literally the exact same relationship. But um, yeah. I think that the the way they edited it was so good because, and you pointed out, the male perspective of old school Thrones, you're right, it's more aggressive. It's more just um, you know excitement and just energy and stuff like that. And, you know, obviously I'm not a woman. I don't know what sex feels like for a woman, but, you know, from, from what I've read in books, um, you know, it's, it's more about feeling and emotion and just like, like women have a more emotional connection to sex than guys do a physical one. And right. they did such a good job showing that because man, how cool was it when Damon started the whole thing? But as soon as Renera got into it, Damon was like, yo, he's like, yeah, uh, nope. not, not, a, not into this playing the game. Such a good, like, just depiction of Renera being the aggressor, not the aggressor, but like Renera being in charge in that moment, Renera owning her own, you know, journey right there. And to go back and, you know, if a girl gets blue balls, she's going to find another guy to hook up with. That's just how it works. <laughs> um, so I thought all of that was great. And then one more thing to throw in there they cut in Allison's sex scene in the middle of it. Yes, which I thought just- was bored she was yep with how much excitement was going on with anira both sexually with damon and romantically with christian and to show allison in the middle of all that yeah allison's going to be a sneaky awesome character yeah i liked how her yeah nothing we touched with kind of her slight redemption in this one we we feel yes. for her again she's reaching out to Danira or rhaenyra i should say and um her, them being friends again that's huge exactly very huge and I loved that, um, like editing and just showing us kind of like the two, all the angles of what it means to be in power in this universe in Westeros, right? Like, so she's the queen and she has children with the king, but super shitty, right? Like, it's she's not having fun. She's not enjoying herself. She's not being true to herself. Um, she's not being a young woman. The opposite of a season one, Sansa Stark. 
who yeah. all she wanted was to be the queen and have all that luxury and have kids and all that stuff. Yep. Um, really great. And, you know, one last thing on the sex scene. I know we're all cringing a little bit because it's incest and weird. I think between this and She-Hulk, we talked about this week, it's so important when a show calls out what everybody's thinking because I feel like it just lets the air out of the room. When Allison says, you know, you and, Tar- you and your Targaryens, you have your queer ways. Like, we all knew that. You yeah. know, like like we all knew that going in, but like to have someone in the show say it to a Targaryen, not just to somebody else like whispering in the corner to say right. it directly to their face. I thought that was such a great diffusing moment yep. to just let this all be a little less taboo and, you know, steamy again. So, yeah, I agree. All time episode, dude. Just like it, it. I don't even know if it's my favorite one of the season so far. This is one that will be talked about forever. <laughs> like, yeah, forever, ever. It's awesome. Good stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, that's House of the Dragon. That's everything else um, about the universes you love. Please um, do us a favor. Please, if you're listening to this on your iPhone, drop us a five-star review if you enjoyed the episode. If you didn't enjoy it, act like it never happened. Be a friend, tell a friend. Find David Thompson at David Thompson on Twitter with two A's and then me at Matt Remke, R-O-E-M-B as in boy K-E. We love you guys so much. We'll see you next time.